folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 200 of Channel Massive. This is the largest podcast episode we've ever recorded. The most I think it's massive. the largest. I think it's the largest of all time in podcast history. Quite. I'd like to look that up. I don't know how you looked that up, but like eight co-hosts at the same time. Yes. Has it ever been done? Uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. Perhaps not many, the amount of satisfaction tried. we will provide in this episode. I think we should like when when we want the floor we should like address uh, address each other as like the council of eight or something like that. <laughs> oh, I like it. Uh, we should just all have distinct bird calls. Mine will be Abba! and that means I want to talk now. Mm, no. Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, anyway, there's a lot of us here. Yeah. So I we're and we are on Skype, and we are all across the country. What we decided to do for episode 200 was, rather than record some incredibly clever and creative and lavishly produced anniversary episode with lots of special effects and segments and theater, <laughs> which we've done in the past. Much we've been there, done chagrin. that. <laughs> yeah. For this episode, it's like, why not have so many, as many of our super awesome co-hosts we've had on as, as we can? At once. Well, not only that, but all like everybody who's ever listened to the show is on the show right now. So I don't know who, who is going to listen to the show um, after we're done recording every it. downloader. <laughs> yes, yeah. all listeners of the show are are currently hosting. We're all, we're all talking to Hilgi Scott right now, and that's it. Yeah, Hilgi, we're here for you. <laughs> Got your back, man. Episode 200 has one download. <laughs> yes. We'll all download it just to hear our own section, and we'll just yeah, kind of skip right. through the rest. Fast forward, fast forward. I sounded particularly smart during the email segment. <laughs> so for those of you out there who have a hard time telling us all apart, because I know with eight different voices, it might be a little complicated. We're at least one time only in the show. We're going to go around the virtual table and introduce ourselves and our voice, so you know, maybe you'll remember who's talking when. First up, our co-founder, Mark. Hello! I'm, <laughs> I'm Heroic Epic Voice Guy. Uh, no, I'm Mark. This is my voice. And uh, I, uh, I will pass it on to uh, Noah. Who Hello there, Mark. Understanding. Markinator. That's right. And also we have another one of our co-founders on, Jason. Greetings and salutations, gentlemen. <laughs> this is the most professional you sounded the entire night. That's the best and worst he'll sound all night. <laughs> it's all down here. He'll from here, right? Yeah. <laughs> we also have a couple Scots. We have Southern Scott. And that would be me. Easy to tell from the sexy Southern twang, so... We call him Southern Fried Scott nowadays, though. We've... Or Scott from the South. Scott from the South. From the South. 
we also have Military Scott. Hey, what's up, Military Scott? I think it's uh, it's kind of funny because I I got on the show by writing stupid ass insane emails, so this is gonna be fun. That's Didn't not, you know what, and Scott? <laughs> that's how everybody got started. Yep. <laughs> it's the key. Well, and you know what, your Facebook, even when you're not on the show, continues to be incredibly entertaining. Which oh my god, yeah. It's so hilarious. So just don't stop doing what you're doing. It's yeah. great. <laughs> you got the magic. Got it. We also have Jeff White. Oh hey hey. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Congratulations on your 200th episode. That's incredible. Um, especially to Mark, Noah, and Jason. You guys, you guys rock for doing that this long. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I don't know if you should really congratulate us, Jeff. It's like I don't know whether to like, like let, let, let's let's have a party or or should we just hang our heads in shame? I'm I'm kind of conflicted, really. Should, just the last should there episode. be a party or an intervention? Yeah. yeah. And last but definitely not least, we have Bob. And that would be me. Did we? That was the shortest name. And you totally yeah. left Eric out. No, I know. <laughs> Oh, my God. And now, last and definitely least. (laughs) Yeah, let's edit that part out, shall we? Oh, nope. Nope. You don't know these guys, then. They're just going to leave it in. It's going to be a big, awkward mess. (laughs) It's going to be so awkward. We'll do it live. (laughs) Eric, Eric has done so much for the podcast. We really do appreciate him. Totally, yeah. and and this is just our kind of way of appreciating him by not appreciating him. <laughs> <laughs> Those who we love the most. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Yeah, Eric yeah. has written reviews for us and been on many episodes as well for perhaps longer than any of our other co-hosts. Yeah. Yeah, he was past me. Way back started uh, Guild Sports. He was the first. Yeah. Yes. And he will be the last. The alpha because the now, omega. because now everybody knows how we treat our friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be the last thing he's going to want to do for your podcast. The jury is out. <laughs> Hello. The introduction. <laughs> now that everybody has been introduced and pushed <laughs> to the wayside, <laughs> we are going to move into our intro in which instead of focusing on news, we are going to focus on Diablo Three. And it turns out that there's one of us, and maybe you can guess at this point, see if you can guess, one of us has not played Diablo 3. You'll find out who that is. Loser. We will definitely <laughs> say it is not the person with 59 hours put in so far, or the yes. person who is playing through Nightmare Mode, <laughs> because these people are masochists, and they are, respectively, Jason and Eric. But what we'd like to do is go around the virtual roundtable and see what everybody has to say about it. Has it been everything that you've hoped for? Are you really satisfied with it? Do you think you're going to love this game as much as you did Diablo 2? Do you have anything that you think would be better? Or is it just complete divine perfection? Let's start off with, of course, Eric, after that wonderful introduction. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So you won't be forgotten. Yeah, there you go. Um... (laughs) So yeah, I went through normal mode, and that was fun, and it reminded me of uh, 
man, how much of a give and take that game is. Like, I just remember being up, like, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning with my friend. We're just we're just cussing at each other. We're just on, on some kind of Skype or something, just hating each other. Just because we're, we're up way too late, and we got to wake up in, like, a few hours. But we need to get some extra loots. And we're crafting, and we're doing all this shit, and we're not getting nothing. And, uh, and then the next night, it was magic, because... We we got all this gear and everything, and that's pretty much just Diablo. That's just that's just what it just shits on you one day and then and then poops out gold the next. Um, and that's that's all I got. That's all I gotta say. Let's just you guys continue. Eric, they you don't want to talk like about it? what happened the other night. What happened the other night? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> maybe maybe I was drunk. Maybe I wasn't. I don't know if I fell asleep. Something happened. I just know. My wife came in and saw me slumped on the uh, the desk, and she forced me to go to bed. I'm oh, an adult, wow. but wow. she put me to bed. Uh, and it was mainly because <laughs> of Diablo. She did, I don't know. Like, I just know that my fr- uh, there was one of my friends and some dick. I think it was, it, Jason, was were you there? <laughs> we'll talk about you're, that some more. You were one of them. <laughs> I don't know. You maybe can tell me the story, but... I just know that this game abuses me, and I love it. So, there you go. That should hopefully tell you nothing. I'm a witch doctor. It's fun. And Jeff, Jeff White, you want to tell us about your exp- Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I guess the question should be, like, should, why, why Jeff isn't playing Diablo 3, like the rest of the planet? Um, I'm lame. I'm not a huge PC gamer, I stick to the consoles, but that isn't to say I appreciate what it is and I won't ever play it. Um, you know, I joked earlier, I, I know fully well it's awesome, but I'll play Diablo's Advocate real quickly. You guys, nyuk, the, best nyuk, of your, nyuk. Nyuk, nyuk, nyuk. the best of your ability, explain to me what's so great about this game. Like, what is it beyond a reimagining of, I don't know, gauntlet hack and slash with a glossy coat of paint on top of it? What's, what's so great? That's it, yeah, right I'll, there. I'll give you that. Yeah. It is, <laughs> you it. Perhaps someone should seduce him with one of those free pass things. Oh, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. Well, if we all sent him one and he did them in order. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Mark, you're the probably the biggest Blizzard fanboy of us all, so why don't you answer that question? Well, that's kind of what he said. It's like, it's like, you know, it's a reimagining of Diablo with a, you know, a super, super well done art direction. It's beautiful to look at. It's fun to play. I, you just can't quantify fun. There's something about all the Diablo games that's just been fun and addictive. And, and you know, as Eric says, sometimes, sometimes it's maybe not the most, well, it's a little bit of an unhealthy relationship, but that's just <laughs> kind of the tone of the game. But, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it just has it, whatever that is. It, it, it scratches that old gauntlet itch of playing at the arcade with three other people and trying to get all the food and the, the gold before they did, or at least that's how I always played it. So, I don't know, just just like it. Nice. Yeah, I Hold know that gauntlet. was not, I, not eloquent, but... <laughs> I, I love I gauntlet. Like I still play that on the, on the, the old original Xbox. Yeah, and remember Gauntlet had the had like the Grim Reaper, which you were like, "Holy crap! I can't believe I'm seeing this in an arcade game." And then you know Diablo has 
you know, blood-stained hallways and, you know, body parts dismembered all over the place. And you're like, wow, that's kind of dark. And, you know, it just works. <laughs> Scott from the South, what, what about well, your experience, man? You know, I, uh, well, I've, I've turned in a good solid 30 hours in three days, so I guess that's something. I did I pulled 14 and a half on Saturday, so that was pretty crazy. Um, Damn. But, yeah, I, I, I had a carpal tunnel on my hand because it's a clicky game. So I really wish that uh, WSAD moved you around a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, I totally get you, Scott. My 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 main thing is the same the same thing. My my mouse hand is, like, hurting right now. Yeah, oh, yeah, carpal tunnel is kicking in, but... um. It's it's odd. I, you know, I kind of look at it. Even it's been ten years. It really feels like nostalgia for Diablo two. It's just it's a little prettier, but I mean, I really haven't seen the huge innovative gameplay. I mean, it's just Diablo prettier, and that's not a bad thing because it's been ten years, you know, since <laughs> since you've played. But I don't know if um, I don't know if going through it. In ever hardening difficulty is going to if I'm going to be up for that just because I'm enjoying it from the nostalgia aspect of it, but it's telling that it's my eight year old's favorite game because he can actually play it. Wow, no doubt. There you go. That's that's a testament right there. I mean, he's he's already got like a level fourteen barbarian, so he's plugging right along. Well, you know, cool. I don't know. I don't know what that says to me about a parent that I'm letting a eight year old play such a bloody game. Cool. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling child protective services. Yeah. I, like, I will cast. I when I click on this putrid body, I'm like, yes, you see, <sighs> so putrid body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna cast any judgment because I was just playing through the hell level in Marvel Ultimate Alliance with my son. So uh, he's no quite comment. a bit younger. Yeah, he's like one year old. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't. I, my real concern is I don't know if I'll be able to turn through four levels, four playthroughs of the same content. You know, I mean, I'm I'm running every class at the moment, and they're all anywhere from thirty-one to sixteen in levels. So. I mean, if I once I get through it once or twice, I don't know if I'll have the stamina to stay with it forever. What about you, uh, Noah? I know that you're. I'm not sure what your relationship with the whole Diablo series is, so maybe you can like clue us in on that and and expound a little bit. Yeah, I don't have quite the love affair with the franchise <clears throat> that Mark does, but unlike the Old Republic, this is a game that I thought, all right, I can get into this. I know that everybody's going to be playing it. It doesn't require a subscription fee. It's really accessible, and it's got so much hype, it's going to be really great to play with people. And even though I never played Diablo 2, which is awful, I've been told many times, uh, I played a chunk of Diablo 1, and it's it's. I know that there are a lot of updates to Diablo 3 with the addition of the companions and the blacksmithing and all other stuff, but it still feels very familiar to what I played many years ago. And it was, it's just as beautiful as it was then, you know, you know, if you adjust for inflation, so to speak, I can't think of the right metaphor for it. Just as great of a soundtrack. But for me, I think it's not like, Oh my God, this is my new cracker. And I'm like, it's fine. 
it's good. It's easy to lose time and just keep playing it and playing it. Uh, I haven't reached the point yet, though, where I feel compulsive about it, where it's where when I'm not playing, it's like, man, I can't wait to go and play it some more. It's just like, well, when some game time comes around, I'll consider if I play that or if I play something else. I don't necessarily have to play that again. Whereas with League of Legends, for instance, to draw a parallel, that was a game also that I struggled to get into much more than I did with Diablo 3. Uh, but once I did, it was like, oh, my gosh, I have to play it and I have to play it again and again and again and again. Diablo 3 hasn't reached that yet for me. I'm not sure that it will. There's something about it. It's really accessible. It's really easy to get into, but it's not stupid easy. It's got just enough complexity so that when you level up, it it's interesting and you're excited to see what your new powers are going to look like. And it happens, leveling up happens pretty frequently. But there's also something to it, like, and just for the sake of the first example that comes to my mind, a game like Bejeweled that's super duper easy, or uh, there's other games out there that or Tetris games that have really simple gameplay. Those are games that I can just completely check out of. Whereas Diablo three, you have to think a little bit more about it. The, the challenge is going to be is going to go up. You have to think about like, what do I want to explore this part of the map? How should I upgrade things? And I think for some reason for me, since it's not super easy, it's not really complicated. It's this kind of weird middle ground. And I I haven't gotten sucked into the world too much yet. It's kind of like, eh, I'll play it when I can. And hopefully when I play it, I'll get to play it with you guys. But it's not really awesome. Hmm. What about you, Bob? I know, Bob, you're you're like old school you you were playing the old Diablo games back in the day. Where where do you uh, come in on this? Is it everything that you hope for and more? Is it just more in the same? Is it uh, you know? Is it a big I've disappointment? A little bit of it. Uh, I've only got a chance to play a little bit of it. Probably about twenty thirty minutes. Um, Dan actually shot me over a uh, one of those free passes, and so I'm still playing just the uh, the free version. Ah, uh, you're. I thought I'd be- try that out a little bit and uh, see how it goes before committing the money for it. But so far, the little bit that I've played was was pretty good. It feels, you know, I, I think it would be right to say that it feels old school, but it feels old school in a good way. Um, you know, like kind of a classic. Um, like a warm I comfort blanket. Playing, yeah, well, sort of, or just something that doesn't need to change because it's just good. You know, like, you know, old Coke versus new Coke, right? There's <laughs> nothing wrong with old Coke. No, I know what will take you over the edge when the four of us are at Dragon Con and we're all playing together. That could, you know, and getting back to something that you said earlier that I think would be an interesting uh, concept and maybe military Scott can speak to this. I'm really curious about people who have played Torchlight in addition to the old Diablos and the new Diablo, uh, because something you said, Scott, I thought was an interesting point where it doesn't feel like it's changed and it doesn't. And that's kind of like a common theme theme of what everybody's saying. It hasn't really changed much. It doesn't need to have changed but with all that said, do you feel that Torchlight is a viable uh, alternative or or potentially Torchlight 2 since it's going to include co-op multiplayer? Are people? Would you recommend, no, if you have to choose between those two, you definitely need to play Diablo, don't play Torchlight 2, or eh, you'd probably get the same kind of satisfaction and experience from either game? Uh, I think I, I would I would play both actually because I mean with the Diablo three one of the biggest like hitches for it for me is is having to be online and, uh, and I am away from the internet kind of, you know kind of frequently so the, I would have the torchlight just kind of fill that itch or uh, fill that gap 
while I didn't have the internet, but well, that's I mean, right. You being in the military is kind of a unique situation, so you, you don't have like the best of internet connections, I'm sure, while you're kind of out and about doing, you know, um, you know, being a part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I mean, I have torchlight installed on my laptop right now, and and uh, I got to leave for a month Monday, and I'll be playing that just to get my Diablo fix. But but yeah, I would recommend both actually. Well, I mean. And isn't oh, ahead, it a case sorry. like sorry? Uh, isn't it a case with like Torchlight Two? What is it going to be like twenty bucks? It's going to be that yeah, thing exactly. that you, you know a lot of people are, uh, that I see on Twitter and and Google Plus and stuff are in the Torchlight beta right now, and they're like, "Holy smokes! I'm not going to get Diablo. I'm just going to wait for this. This is this fills this fills that gaping hole. I'm good. I'm good." Wow. And then and then Torchlight One, even though it's single player, um, you know there are if you go and uh, look at the Steam version, there are Steam achievements that have you like i don't know put like 50 mods on the game it's it's like a different it's a different beast entirely to Dia- the new diablo because diablo 3 is so held down by this this online continuity that you have to have that you can't i mean you're never going to be able to have like just a you know an achievement for adding 50 mods to the game you know uh so the openness of torchlight i think is going to fill another niche where i'm i'm going to buy it it's different enough, you know. Yeah, I already bought it actually. Does anybody else wonder why it took them ten years to come out with something that really didn't change much other than a slight graphics overhaul? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I have well, no clue. Well, they probably the whole auction house thing. Yeah, ten years, <laughs> ten years of Battle.net bolstering, and then error thirty-seven. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you know it's a misconception to say it's been worked on for ten years. That's not true, but you know they they're kind of really pragmatic about the way they work on their games, and so they switched gears after Diablo two, and you know we all know what they were working on, and that you know World of Warcraft kind of saved the company, um, and then I think they got back to Diablo, um, you know, kind of as they were working on um, Starcraft two, but. You know, it's it's like I didn't expect a lot of innovation. I will say that the network play is really seamless. I mean, you can just jump in with people. You know, that's really well done and simple and, you know, everything you can want. But I don't know if, if anyone was expecting it to be really innovative. I think it would have it would have had to have changed its, you know, format significantly. And instead, it's just this classic isometric kind of, you know, uh, story story based kind of dungeon crawl so i don't know i i mean who here quickly really expected a lot of innovation with this or was really banking on it i wasn't but i'm just curious if anyone else was really i gotta admit i was actually hoping there wouldn't be too much innovation just improvements in the basic engine like they did because the gameplay was very good very classic very unique it doesn't have to play like every other freaking game out there it's yeah, I was I was more thinking, you know, in I don't know, six or seven classes, something just kind of a little off the wall. I mean, not just reimaginings of the originals kind of thing. I don't know. Oh, I see what you're saying. So not not gameplay pretty much the same, but just more classes. Give maybe. me more options, yeah. I mean you have plenty yeah, of options with the cool. armor and stuff, but I mean, you know, a druid class that does trans you know, some kind of Transforming into different kind of animals or I, something. Lord knows they've got druids in World of Warcraft. They run them to death. So, I mean, 
Well, I mean, you know. they, they've got precedent with that because, you know, Diablo 2 had it, but it was in their expansion, and that's one thing that I was really disappointed about. The the Druid in Diablo 2, like, that that expansion was amazing, and I think they added a lot to the story. So my only, my minor disappointment, and I, you just live with it, is that they, they added some to the story. Like, the companions have, I've learned more about Templars in Diablo 2. Oh, III yeah, I know. You know? That, that, that buddy around. Yeah, like if you guys, people who haven't played it or, or you know, haven't gotten into it, um, the Templar character is like my, one of the, is my favorite character in the game. Screw everybody else. Screw Deckard Kane. Like, I mean, he's, he's awesome in two, but like he, I learned more about the world just hanging out with that companion. Uh, and that was my only motivation really to play by myself because the, the difficulty when you're playing by yourself is just like a cakewalk. I, I ended up having to get like three or four people, you know together to get some kind of challenge in normal mode. Uh, but anyways, anyways, whatever we were talking about. Well, that's a good point. I think my my playtime pretty much speaks for itself about how I feel about the game. <laughs> I don't have to go really into it much further. But I will share a little, little funny story um, from the other night, which involves Eric. Um, I, don't know, I don't remember talking. Yeah, you, you, well, I'm, it doesn't surprise me, Eric, because uh, you you couldn't possibly remember it. You were so drunk. Uh, so when we all started, <laughs> that's pretty much how all the best stories always start. Out. When we, when yeah. we before we started playing, we all kind of sent a mass email out to everybody, sharing everybody's gamer tags and gamer codes and whatnot. And so the other the other night, I log in. Eric logs in, and he's he's like, "Hey, man, how do I know you?" Uh, like, which character are you? What's what's uh, what's this Zylander there, there character? Were, there were a lot of names, okay, and I got them mixed up. <laughs> even though, like, the night before, I I added him and I was like, "Hey, it's Jason." Totally and forgot first, he existed. So he's like talking to me like this, and I was like, "Surely Eric's joking? You know, he's got to be kidding me. He knows who I am." But <laughs> as, as the conversation continued, I realized that he really didn't know who the hell I was. So it was at that point when I started to mess with them. So Eric, Eric's like going on and on. He's like, who are you, man? And I'm like, okay, well, no, we, no, you cannot. I'm going to give you so much crap about this. I can't believe you don't know who I am. And uh, he's like, okay, let's, let's, uh, he, he wanted to play some kind of 20 questions game with me to try to figure out who I was. So While you were dungeon grinding. Yeah, well, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, um, we've talked many times. Um, we're friends on Facebook. Uh, Blah blah blah. He still couldn't figure it out, and so finally, I, I I had to I had to go for a little bit, and so I typed something like, "I got a jet for a bit, Eric. Nice playing with you." And he was like, "How do you know my name?" <laughs> he totally tripped out. He thought he thought I was some kind of internet psycho stalker or something like that. I, I just couldn't figure out who you were. Okay, that's just it. I, I looked all over Facebook, no joke. I'm just all over on Facebook trying to compare to Raptor to see who's on, and I'm too drunk to figure it out. My fingers won't work. It was terrible. It was terrible. I, I took it. I took it really even further. So I was like, I dropped his last name, and he was like, Oh my god, he knows my last name. What are you? Who are you? And then. And then I said something akin to like t- tell Nikki hi for me or something like that, which is <laughs> yeah. Nikki is his wife, and yeah. and he was he that's when he really just freaked out. He was like, "Oh my yeah. god, you're an internet stalker! You're some kind of psycho killer or something like that." He had yeah, no idea. Uh, 
a lot there. I think he probably spent the remain that, that like sobered him up really fast because he just he had no, no clue. The guy that the guy that hung out with us later, I called him and I was like, "Okay, get on Facebook. There's somebody." <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who it is. Okay. I don't. Now, I don't know who no, it is. It sucks. The, I can't remember who this person is. Who is it? The best part is Jason has all the screenshots of it all. I do. I'm going to post <laughs> it on the website one of these days just to just Appreciate to it. just to mess with you. Anyway, yeah, I, I I love the game. It's fun. It is. Uh, I I didn't think I'd get in, into it. Being online all the time aside. Uh, you know, it's it's just uh, it's that thing that scratches that dungeon crawling itch of yours, and and that's kind of what it boils down to. I think you're all correct in your in your assessment that they really didn't need to innovate it all that much. Uh, there there was really no need for it, um, as you know, as a game that you know came out ten years ago, Diablo two kind of you know elevated that kind of gaming. Uh, to a different level, and really all they needed to do was, you know, do some minor tweaking here and there, and and it's just as good and, and addicting as it as it ever was. Uh, the only the only really weird thing that I I can't really wrap my brain around is why the auction house is so bad. They they have resources there at Blizzard that actually created a pretty good functional auction house in World of Warcraft and in Diablo three, it sucks balls. <laughs> It really does. There's like no point to it. There, there's no. I've, I've sold maybe like five things on it, and and trying to navigate that auction house is just a nightmare. So I, I'm kind of curious as to what went wrong with the whole auction house situation. That's that's funny. I've had like an, an opposite experience with that. I've sold all kinds of stuff. My dude is decked out in rares. You know, and I go on the auction house constantly. I mean, everybody's is, but I just I think like the search feature is just horrible. I, I think the way it's laid out is just it's really bizarre. It's it's, it's yeah, kind of confusing. It's little, yeah, it's a little janky, but uh, once you get it down, like the little nuances, because if you do a search, it doesn't pull everything up. You mm-hmm. get like this mm-hmm. little snippet, so you you got to mess around with it, unfortunately. So yeah, I I, I agree with with that point. Yeah, it's just, it's just kind of surprising to me that. You know, a company who has had World of Warcraft out all these years and has had, they have a really good working auction house running on that game, uh, couldn't come up with a better solution for for this one. Yeah, not to mention they make eight bajillion dollars every freaking two minutes. Yeah, I know. It's like pay somebody to figure it out. (laughs) Awkward silence. (laughs) (laughs) Marcos is up. I love. Let's wrap for our introduction. Our intergetting where we've gone through Diablo 3. Coming up, we are going to be getting into a couple listener emails, which will feature Mark's book corner and then a bunch of roundtables. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs.
Welcome to our listener feedback section, where people write in and we ignore them. Uh, in today's uh, feedback section, we have two things that were two things, two emails were written in. Boy, I, I am a master of this. Um, <laughs> the Your first, prose is unparalleled. Uh, it's true. Yes, yes, my yes. Anyway, Hilgi writes in. Hi, guys. Huzzahs all around. Just wanted to say thanks to Mark, Noah, Jason, Jim, and everyone who has been on or contributed to 200 episodes of Channel Massive. I really hope you keep going to episode 500 and beyond or until I'm dead. Thanks, guys. Hilgi. Well, well, thank you, Hilgi. <laughs> if, if we're still doing it at episode 500, uh, just kill us. Thank Hopefully you. <laughs> our kids will take over by then. Um <laughs> So that's that's cool. Um, we we really appreciate it, Hilgi. Thanks for you're always writing in with great stuff, and we appreciate it. And we want to have you on the show sometime soon. Um, we just were afraid that having you join us for this particular episode would be such a shock to your system; it might kill you. So we're gonna kind of you know make it a more of a a gentle transition in. But um, he also wrote in. He is due. He also wrote in with a. Um, a killer article about this retro console game room, which blew my mind. It was just so overdone. When you look at it, you, your first, your first thing, the first thing, and we'll put this in the show notes, but the first thing that happens is you're kind of in awe because the guy has got like all these console games in this weird red backlit kind of matrix. That's all fed into some kind of crazy AV system and he's got all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's not like he has just a Nintendo or, you know, a GameCube or something like that or an Atari 2600, but he seems to have almost all of them up to a certain point back in time. Um, I don't even think he had a 2600, but um, he had a lot of stuff, like at least from Nintendo, um, the NES forward. And it's anyway, it's really cool to check it out. But after you look at it long enough, you start to think, this person may be slightly obsessed and then you start to feel kind of a little bit uncomfortable looking at his game room. I don't know about the rest of you guys that looked at the article, but it, it is kind of strange that level. I thought of it looked pretty obsessed the moment you first look at it. So, so for you, it was, it was more of an instant realization that there might be some dysfunction there as opposed to with me where it took like a half hour. Yeah, I believe it's because of the you know the the borderline level of your own dysfunction. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> but he who is without sin cast the first stone. So yeah, so he got no. one wall of games. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. He doesn't have four like me. But anyway, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and Noah can relate to this because he used to have like a micro version of it, kind of all stuck into one <laughs> like uh, entertainment system unit, as I recall. Well, you had layers, right? You'd kind of unpack yeah, stuff like and archives. go back in time. It was an archive. I felt like a archaeologist as we tried to like figure out what was like the earliest console game he had. But he had all kinds of cool stuff. But this is kind of just like that on crack. Right. Anyway, just describing it um, without the pictures is no good, so we'll attach a link. And now that I'm totally screwing up the listener feedback, we'll, we'll, what the? <laughs> <laughs> Sabotage. There you go. Bob. All right. Anyway. <laughs> so um, Phil wrote in as well. Sweet. Um, he said, Mark, just finished listening to episode 198. Great episode. Like you, I also enjoyed Wheel of the Wheel of Time series. 
I remember forsaking food and sleep to finish books one through three and was incredibly excited to get to book four. Unfortunately, book four proved to be my wall. Just couldn't get past it. Eventually, I gave up and put it down and never completed the series. Your discussion about books 12 through 14 has really awakened the flame again, and I would love to finish the series. Unfortunately, my time is little, and reading books 4 through 11 just seems impossible. Would you suggest that I pick up book 12 and start there, or start back on book 4 with the understanding that it may take several years of pain to get to the good stuff in book 12? I promise not to hold you accountable for any pain I receive from your suggestion. Thanks, Phil. So, hey, Phil, I actually put a lot of time and thought into this, um, because I didn't want to sell the books short that actually have some value along the way, but I didn't want to give you an unreasonable response. And by the way, listeners, this is all based on this Wheel of Time series um, by Robert Jordan, which starts out with a bang and then for several books just becomes really ploddingly slow and painful several? to read with almost no... Prog- discernible progress occurring through the storylines. It's just really weird. It's it's like the um, the writer lost track of the fact that you can only have so many POV um, characters in a book series without things That's just bugging you. For you lose her out there. It's an advanced literary concept that uh, I I know, but <laughs> most people don't. But in any case, you know. So anyway, here's here's kind of my response to you. Um, if it's possible for you, this is how I made it through the wall. Um, I listened to audiobooks because I have a commute that lasts about 45, 45 minutes each way. So, um, so there's um, on audible.com, all the books are narrated by Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, Reading, and they're really good. And you can almost guess that Kate Reading's not her real last name. But anyway, um, it's, it's really well narrated. And, and because you're kind of a captive audience, it's not so overwhelming. So um, if you can if you can kind of figure out a way to um, you know incorporate listening to the audiobooks into your life, like say mowing the lawn, doing a painful commute, rubbing the bunions for your wife, or something like that, um, it might work out for you. Otherwise, here's kind of my other suggestion: you really do need to read books four through six. Um, Lord of Chaos, which is book six, has the greatest literary battle scene that um, I've ever kind of encountered i mean people it's kind of like up there with like in braveheart when the heavy cavalry charged and got screwed over but way more graphic and destructive and just evil so you have to read much more graphic much more graphic and it's just a kind of like a veritable magical meat grinder but it's just so well written and it's it's in the book you have to know that robert jordan was a graduate from the um citadel which is a military academy so he had kind of put in all these, you know, there was a lot of detail about, you know, giant armies, medieval armies clashing and everything. So you have to do it. You have to read books four through six, I think, um, just to get through the battle scene. And also all the characters and major plot lines are fully established at this point, which Scott, um, Southern Fried Scott found to be hilarious. And I kind of have to agree with you. It is sad and funny. That's what, almost 1800 pages before he establishes the story. Right. It's it's kind of amazing. But by then, the story is pretty well set on its course. Okay, so then, for books 7 through 10... Holy shit. <laughs> use, Johansson? Use Wiki... Okay, Yo. fast reflexes there, Eric. Um, for books 7 through 10, <laughs> Wikipedia, <laughs> one of the Wheel of Time wikis to get cliff notes for books 7 through... For, for those books. 
Um, and, and I would try and figure out which one provides the most detail, make it like your cliff notes, so to speak. But what it'll do is kind of help you understand the progress along those plot lines, um, even though they're very slow and the progress is pretty much plotting. Then you should jump back in as far as actually reading uh, at book 11, Knife of Dreams, which is the final book by Robert Jordan um, before he died. And um, a lot of the major plot lines are resolved. And then book 12, The Gathering Storm, really takes off with a, like a breakneck pace. And it's got a new author, Brandon Sanderson, who's the heir apparent from Robert Jordan. Everybody decided he was the one to um, – he's also like the, the biggest fan of Robert Jordan, so it's kind of funny. But anyway, he's taken over. He does a great job. He's got all the notes that Robert Jordan left behind. And Robert Jordan actually did pin the ending of the entire series. So he knows exactly how it's going to end, and he's working through all that um so yeah read book 12 um the gathering storm book 13 the towers of midnight is out and book 14 a memory of the light which will finally end this thing and let me have some peace is due out on january 8th 2013 and that that's pretty much mark's book corner hi phil phil i i'd like to just come in really quickly and uh just say something for it to you um if it took mark this long to uh, convince you why you should read this book series again, don't. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) You could also read a parody of it by Terry Goodkind, um, although you'll be subjected to Ayn Rand's philosophy, uh, you know, objectivism, and um, all kinds of crazy stuff. Sadomasochism, yeah. Sadomasochism, objection of the women. Yeah, yeah, book five is pretty much just all about pain is pleasure, so. Yeah. When he was doing his masochism bits and whenever he was doing any actual torture bits was when Terry Goodkind's books were really good. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Then there would descend into these huge, huge, lengthy, like, Twilight-like passages of, oh, gosh, I love you so much. They were like Harlequin romance level. Bob, Twilight's for it it's star wars episode one love dialogue the worst dialogue ever pinned mm. i love you anakin no well not not star wars two. not episode one that's a little freaky yeah, that would be kind of <laughs> sorry that would be sure. called child molestation <laughs> yeah chester's kind of like where that kate winslet was always trying to get on that cougar Kate Winslet was always trying to get on Leonardo DiCaprio. So I don't know. Anyway, that ends. Well, not only my, my book corner segment, as you will call it, and the naked Scarlett Johansson picture that was inserted into the show notes by Bob, no doubt, but also um, I think it ends our listener feedback section. And that was much appreciated, Bob. Thank you very much. year is 2007. Glaciers have all dried up. The earth is under under siege from gravitational forces as the as the sun wait, no, that's not what happened. Back in 2007, um we decided to start this epic journey with the with the notion that it would be cool to cover massive multiplayer online role-playing game news with the, with really cool and clever commentary and our own opinions unfiltered because none of us thought we had a chance in hell at ever getting into the game industry. Well, we proved everyone right in that we're still not in the gaming industry. (laughs) (laughs) There is that. No, Bob is. 
but we well yeah there's that um oh, but we did we did um we did uh not prove anyone wrong in that but we still are around which proved a lot of people wrong who said oh because their light burns so much brighter than our shitty ass <laughs> podcasts and blogs <laughs> surely they will burn out surely this just can't be this this is a fire that can't be sustained a, you know a maelstrom of of heat and hot molten iron liquid hot magma magma if you will how could it possibly sustain itself without you know just pittering out and and we haven't although we've we've tried to stop this thing several times um it continues to live and we've we've been continuing to podcast pretty much regularly since 2007 we're here at episode 200 um we have three of the the three original um co-hosts together uh which would be Noah, Jason and myself and we have people who have um we've we've come to know and love over the years who have written in with you know love's a very strong word mark well i only think of eric when i say love yeah. but but, <laughs> but you know I think we've, you know, we've we've had a lot of great contributions from a lot of great people. It's unfortunate that Terra couldn't make it, um, who would would have also been perfect for this, um, from across the pond. But she's apparently taken up podcasting. Perhaps it's some rival podcast that must be crushed, um, and she won't be able to 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 join us. But yeah, you know, over the years we've we've met a lot of really cool people. We've had fun. We played a lot of games together. We've gotten together on Skype. We've discovered. League of Legends and Noah has lost his soul to it and then regained it through a through a ritual we can't speak of and you know it's <laughs> it's been it's been a it's been a really it's been really a great experience for me and I don't know I don't know if just real quick before we actually talk about something relevant I don't know if Noah and Jason want to chime in with their thoughts but uh, I've had a blast and I can't imagine spending this time you know you know how when you look back on your like gaming history and you're like I can't believe I spent 2,000 hours playing Diablo 2 like I can't believe that there would have been any better use of my time over the last few years than than doing this because it's been really fun I've met a lot of great people it's been fulfilling it's built some really good skills for instance, I don't use um in conversations very often anymore, so that, that's been a good, good gain. Um, just kidding. Um, but, but yeah, it's been it's been good. So, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Noah. I'll I'll defer bring up to you. Jason will have to start <laughs> as I like to do. twist <laughs> to the happy feelings. <laughs> yes, it's all crap. I I would have to agree with Mark that. I definitely didn't think I would be doing this five years later. I think when I started this with him, I'm like, well, this is a cool idea, but I don't think any of us are really cut out for this. And we'll probably be interested in it for a couple months and then we'll stop. <laughs> and it seemed like the odds were against us several times. We've had many challenges putting the show together, believe it or not, off the air. And as people have even seen, if you're just a subscriber, you can see like, whoa, wow, they are posting an episode that they recorded two months ago. <laughs> but now that we're taking our fiber, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're being a little bit more regular, hopefully. And I I think, like Mark said, uh, one of the things that really got me into doing this and why I really loved it to begin with is because... It was great to just do stuff with Mark and Jason and Jim 
years ago. And it's just like, oh, this is so fun. I love these guys. They're really funny. And it's and it's uh, it's cool that anybody would actually listen to this and we're learning some cool stuff. But then beyond that, as Mark was saying, I never thought that we'd meet so many cool people. We've had so many fantastic listeners writing writing stuff, recording stuff, co-hosting with us, and joining us at conventions from E3 to PAX. And I just, it's like I never thought that I would get other friends who I adore just as much as the people who live here in Denver. And as uh, I definitely thank Mark a lot for proposing this and getting it off the ground because I've really found it fulfilling and rewarding. And I also want to thank all the people who have listened and written in and especially those who aren't with us. And then also those of you who are with us right here on this episode, it's been really cool. Oh, Jason (laughs) hugs, man. I hate you all to be perfectly (laughs) honest with you. I just, I mean, really this whole experience has been a soul sucking hell of a nightmare, which I will never recover from. Uh, (laughs) No, no, all joking aside. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll like, I, I echo the same sentiments as uh, Mark and Noah. They, they pretty much nailed it right on the head there. I, you know, listeners like Eric and and Scott from the South, who I'm more familiar with. You know, I'm sorry, than you know, military Scott and Jeff and you know everyone else who who writes in nowadays. Um, the show has. You know, the show has evolved over the years. We we originally thought this show was just going to be nothing but massively multiplayer role-playing commentary, which obviously is totally gone now, which is really bizarre. We we don't we don't really talk about MMOs that much anymore. Uh, the, the foundations were laid as being okay. We're really into this particular genre. Uh, we're gonna you know we're gonna just bring everybody the news about it and 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 express our love for the genre as much as we possibly can and now we're like no we don't like it anymore <laughs> yeah we got we'd meet for the show and we'd be like what are we going to talk about are we going to yeah talk about it, it actually that, that was one of those tipping points you know we, we talk about those points where where the show actually almost folded and didn't didn't survive, and one one of those moments was when we all realized that we just don't like this particular kind of game that much anymore. Uh, we still play them a little bit, almost begrudgingly, I would say. Uh, but I, I you know, and, and there was that one point in time where we all just said, "Well, we're just not playing these games anymore. What do we do?" and and there was a recommendation. I don't know if I brought it up. I don't know if, if all of us kind of collectively thought, well, maybe we should just kind of turn it into a more general mm-hmm. uh, gaming uh, kind of uh, discussion. And I, I think it took a while for it to evolve there. There was some kind of, I think there was like an internal struggle within all of us to kind of take it in that direction. And, you know, we kind of did. And that worked out. It was hard because... We had so many listeners who were disappointed, even with us moving from World of Warcraft to Age of Conan. It's just like, well, we're still playing World of Warcraft. Like, Age of Conan, Warhammer, Champions. <laughs> it's just like, we like yeah. shiny things. We're just like little birds. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the nature of the 
MMO gamer beast, I guess, is is that they're they're we're always looking for that new piece of crack, and that new piece of crack just ends up being the same old piece of crack, and we're not satisfied with that same piece of crack anymore. And um, you know, it, it, that's kind of where we we ended up with. Um, but I, you know, I do. You know, even though I do, I I think I'm probably the most abrasive of all of the hosts uh, that have been out there. I, I don't think that that's a stretch to say. Um, however, <laughs> however, I do I do appreciate each and every one of you, even though you know I, I come down on on you know sometimes as harsh and and abrasive. I, I do appreciate everybody out there listening for this long. Um, my, I've kind of scaled back my role on the show as the years have gone on, you know, kind of as a personal choice and, but also, you know, kind of, cause I, I think one of the things that I, I like about how, what the show has turned into now is, is that it's kind of turned into the, the listener's show. So it seems like every month we get like a new listener who is recruited into the fold and they add like a fresh perspective to the show. And, and I find that, uh, I find it works a lot better that way. You know, that way, you know, you're not hearing me week in and week out, you know, which could kind of get kind of old. I don't know. Maybe for some of you, some of you might love me for all I know, but for those that don't, or, or for, for those that like a fresh perspective, I, th- I think that what, what's been happening recently with the show has been uh, a, a great thing where, where we bring in listeners and, and we bring in other perspectives and, and, and voices to the show, and, and it's added a lot over the years. You can count me in as, as one of those guys. When you when you took your long break, I know I was uh, in Afghanistan for a second time, and, and uh, I was like, what the hell? Where's Jason, man? And uh, <laughs> I, I think I wrote a couple of stupid-ass emails and <laughs> about it. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think your abrasiveness is actually entertaining. Believe it or not. <laughs> so, and maybe it's, when, it's, yeah, it's, Mark and I are the ones getting abraded. <laughs> yeah, maybe so you have bushes in there. It's because of uh, you know society's kind of how they they envelop and, and and embrace the asshole, and you're definitely you definitely were the asshole for the podcast, and, and I tell you I tell yeah, you that in a good way. Be happy or offended with that remark, Scott. But I appreciate that. You should. <laughs> I think he meant it out of love. I did, one hundred percent. Something I'd like to add in, just real quick, is that during our time, during our times, attempts to diversify or to make up for dead spots. I think that I really would like to thank the people who filled in those blanks, whether it was Jason doing his reviews or Eric doing his videos showing like, Hey, check out this, check out uh, this game. I'm going to do some introductory videos for you or some galleries. And then Scott even taking on the responsibility of running a spinoff podcast, just about league of legends without that type of stuff. I don't think we would have gotten to episode 200 and it's definitely been a really important part of our heritage and development. I will say that I thought when uh, when Noah, when you emailed me about, hey, let's start off a League of Legends podcast, I was like, and we had a stretch there where I, I mean, we were only recording every other week, and I, mm-hmm. I never really saw it as going to be a long term thing, and it's like we had six podcasts where it was like, you know, 
episodes of Legends, episode of Legends, episode of Legends. And I said, wow, uh, okay. So I wonder if they're, we're ever going to crank Channel Massive back up or not. So, <laughs> right. But I, I yeah, think but stuff like that helps, no doubt. I mean, and and I really think Mark and Noah needed the the break from the managing the podcast to kind of recharge. It's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> yes, I mean, for all your listeners out there, I mean, they, you know, um, I don't think you know how much effort goes into some of this, especially on the back end, where where this is the easy part right here. Where we're, where we're talking. Yeah, the stuff Noah does now is the hard part. The, the stuff that goes on after all that, that's the, that's the real headache. And, and that's where the pain begins. <laughs> and and, and that, the that, that's the Yeah, that, and seriously, and, that, and that's where it makes you not want to do it. That's why you know, I couldn't do Channel Massive. Um, you know, I started doing the Channel Massive Today segment for a couple weeks there, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I don't know if I could do this all the time. And I, and I couldn't. It was just, it, it was the the post production was kind of overwhelming after a while. But oh, that is, episode with the Korean national anthem music stuff <laughs> was so awesome. <laughs> it was worth it that. <laughs> well, and it, you know, it's not like it's a gigantic amount of time, but it's like, I mean, we're all grown men. It takes, a, I mean, it's like we only have a certain amount of available free time, and if it takes couple, three, four hours to crank out a podcast, that's three or four hours I could be playing a game. Right. It's a I mean, we're still gamers. It's not like Noah we do this does, for a living. So Noah does three of them a week. I know. it's He's a machine. He is. And he still actually manages to play games somehow. Or he's managed to clone himself. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> You're not sure. That's a really scary thought. Well, yeah, because the clones become, you know, like less... Uh, the fidelity drops a bit, so less sane. Yeah, like yeah. a multiplicity. Yeah. She she touched my peppy, Steve. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, thanks thanks to all you guys for you know continuing to keep it going. It would have been really easy to have stopped a long time ago, but we're still here. We're still doing it, and we still are keeping. I think the main like the core tenant behind the whole thing was we say what we want to say. We're not beholden to anyone. We're, we're not, this isn't professional. This isn't our careers. This is just our way of saying what we believe in. And I think that's like incredibly powerful. And that's the one of the number one reasons why I keep wanting to do it is I have opinions and I want to get them out and I don't want them to have to be toned down or, you know, influenced by, oh, we'd lose a sponsor. We used to joke about that all the time, all the sponsors we lost. But, you know, we, we, we don't we don't care, really. We don't care. Yeah, so. that's, that's, that's definitely the appeal, I know, because uh, listening to you guys, it's just, I mean, it's just a bunch of guys sitting around, you know, talking shit about video games, which right. is, is awesome. I mean, and as a listener, you feel like you're in the room, you know, and you're laughing and, and you know, forming your own opinions. That yeah, is our it, mission statement. Yeah, it it motivated. I mean, it motivated me to start my own podcast. That yeah, short short lived one, which was actually pretty popular, but was but canceled awesome. due to canceled due to cubicle drama. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at the risk of sounding emo, I mean, I appreciate you guys doing doing what you've been doing for so long. It's, I mean, I, I listen listen to Jason's half drunk ass while I was dr- running down the sidewalk, you know, doing uh, 
doing my runs and stuff. I'll have you know, so. I was never drunk at all during any of these podcasts. Yeah. I've been sober each and every day. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. You weren't half drunk. You were full drunk. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to go get me another beer right now, bitches. Yeah. He's like the Dean Martin of podcasting, except he really is drinking. No, no apple juice there, man. No, no apple juice. Hey, that's cool. You know that one. That's awesome. Since we said we clearly said we no longer talk about MMOs anymore, here's our here's our first roundtable topic. Where do we see MMOs in five years? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna throw everybody a bone there who wanted to well go back in time and talk about this genre, right? I mean, well, geez. MMOs are such an interesting genre because they 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 pull people in they. They, you know, they're divisive. They're they're very emotional. There's something really emotional about MMOs that I've never quite understood. I mean, you can go to any forum for any MMO and see someone who has dedicated a significant portion of their discretionary time to an MMO, and they're just in full-on rage mode, and they're just so angry. So it's a, it's a passionate kind of thing. So, like, what innovations do you... You guys, our, our expert panel here, and I don't say that with air quotes. I mean, really, seriously. What do you guys think we're looking at as far as innovations, as far as progress in the next five years? And just to throw Noah under the bus, let's start out with him. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm going to say there will be a great condensation or collapse of MMOs where there might be one or two, uh, and maybe only one, and the way that we understand them today, such as maybe it's World of Warcraft or, or whatever. And that, sure, maybe EverQuest, for some inexplicable reason, will still be chugging along with 2,000 users or something. But I just, the, a new fad's going to come, whatever that might be. I I don't know what could replace first-person shooters or, or social games or, or whatever, but I definitely think MMOs have peaked and they may be in five years, they'll be here in some way, but probably they'll be all free to play microtransaction based and potentially not quite as epic as the huge blockbuster releases that we grew to expect. Isn't that like years. everything, like everything you just said, no, isn't that like the exact opposite thing you would have said like five years ago? Isn't it? I mean, just think about that. I mean, you know, everything like free-to-play, microtransaction-based. Oh, yeah, because free-to-play games. Yeah, I mean, oh, God, yes. I mean, it was like free-to-play, that's the devil. That's the stuff that comes from China. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and that's just With, not that good because they have well, their spices and their free-to-play concept. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, I mean, really, hanging you, around have think, in, uh, you have to think you have to thank for that, so... Kung Fu with Dungeons and Dragons online. Well, by pulling a you know a fairly viable, I mean they, I think they basically just use a failed MMO that if it went in the ditch, so what with DDO, and said hey it was successful. Well then they took arguably a successful MMO, Lord of the Rings, and did the same thing, and now it's okay. The dominoes <laughs> began to fall. It, I I have to agree with Noah though. It's 
I think it's on its downfall. I mean, just look at all the news with the uh, 38 Studios. I mean, they have these. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. they have these big name. Yeah, traditional artists. MMOs are are done. Yeah, they have these big name artists, big name you know writers, just sinking millions of dollars into this stuff. And I don't think that game is going to see the light of day. It's I don't either. done. Yeah. No, I'm I think you. that studio is going to be closing down uh, soon, if not tomorrow. Uh, and, and I'm being totally serious when I say tomorrow because, uh, like, didn't the CEO and the senior vice president resign today? Some crazy oh, like that. I, I didn't see that. I don't know. I didn't know. Yep, yeah, they did. I think they did. Yeah, it was they like, did. Uh, yeah, they, they're they're done. And then that's crazy because they they they've estimated that the Kingdoms of, of Amalur IP is worth about twenty million. Yeah. So if they like sold that off, I mean that would that would cover I don't know not quite a half of what they owe on that loan I guess but um, they're done they're, they're, that project Copernicus will not see the light of day you can just forget about that I'm kind of thing your secret world is still coming out well, well yeah that's what another thing I mean really that one is definitely going to be free to play real soon yeah, yeah. real it's soon be. I don't what think you're going to see you're going to see go, go ahead, ahead. Scott, sir Right. I was just gonna say I don't I don't think anybody is going to launch with a non free to play or a non um, Guild Wars like model where it's just like this is the game and it's multiplayer and deal with it. I don't I don't see anybody else launching with a subscription plan. I I really don't. I hey, I think you know what that game's called Mark. It's called Diablo Three. Yeah. I have not heard of this game of which you speak. <laughs> well, that's almost more? like. That's almost like a, a pricing model now, which is we come out with a game that we say is subscription-based. It's going to be subscription-based. We wouldn't even think about doing uh, free-to-play. And then a few months later, we go free-to-play, and, and there's this huge upswing of people who heard about the game, had all this advertising, and a lot of people say, man, I'd play it if it was free-to-play, and boom. It's it's super successful. That's exactly like I'm not I don't I don't know any information. You know, it's all my opinion. But DC Universe, uh, they like they could not have released that subscription base and know that it had long term. Like the content mm-hmm. was more of a free to play game. So, oh, absolutely. You know, you know but they when still they were, do it. They still it, do yeah, it. Yeah, and that's, that's what the, the I think that's no, that's I, I think that's what they're going to do with the, the Secret World. Age of Conan is very like it is successful. It's making them money as free to play. And if you tried out the beta or, you know, whatever I can talk about being in the beta, um, they already have a microtransaction store implemented that's like Age of Conan. So it's probably going to come out subscription-based. And then, you know, you know we're, we're, I think in the next five years, my opinion of that is that we're going to phase out of this and, you know, people aren't going to be as antsy about free-to-play. But I think the model of what free-to-play right now, you know, we're still in the – we're still in the transition phase. Like, you know, five years ago, free-to-play was that Chinese, you know, Asian weird rip-off MMO that you'd have to grind through and you'd have to, you know, buy XP potions so you want to get ripped off. Uh, and now we're kind of somewhere in the middle where we still have some shady stuff going on, randomized packs that you have to buy and you get got a small chance of getting what you want, all this stuff, you know. We're going to move closer towards maybe what, you know, Guild Wars is doing or... You know, something that like Diablo, where you buy the package and you have, you know, you have content uh, and expansions. You know, I don't know, but I think we're kind of like in a weird limbo right now. 
So I, I don't. I don't think we're in a limbo. I think we're at we're at the uh, we're at that crossroads now. Period. It's uh, that's what that's what it's done. Crossroads is. It's well, done, man. I, mean, I I think that if anybody you know you want to bring up an argument, let's talk about the old republic. Period. End of story. I mean, the, the old republic was supposed to be that game that would um, at least compete on some level with World of Warcraft, or or um, at least be right up there. And it's not. it it failed horribly. If you want to, if you want to, you know, put it up on the standard, the pedestal that everybody was putting it up as. Um, sorry, I hate to say it, it failed. I think, I, I think World of Warcraft was an anomaly, and everybody should admit that it was an anomaly. It was. At the time. No it doubt. Was, but if it came out today, it would have two million subscribers. It was, okay, so it was the perfect game at the perfect time from the perfect company with the perfect gap in other games to play. I mean, it was like the, so perfect yeah, storm, it's, I it's, guess. Its competition oh, was you know, EverQuest 2. EverQuest 2, which... Well, and City of Heroes, too. And, and I, I yeah, think you're right about Heroes. the competition. You know, there's there's so many other things for people to play, so many other types of entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Commit, oh, like, yeah. Like, 15 bucks a month for uh, for World of Warcraft now. Most right. Most people aren't willing to commit that much money to a game, but if they can right. start into it free, in the middle of the game you're really playing then it's it's pretty easy to let go of that money for that microtransaction. So even though those are pretty annoying, I think that's, you know, likely to be the future because nobody wants that committed time of saying, well, I got to, you know, I got to pay that monthly fee. You know, nobody wants and, to commit to that. And now to, to like, kind of grab onto um, Bob's kind of story there, the the fact that now the indie games are starting to really, you know, come come to come into their own, I mean, you could buy like you could conceivably buy three to five indie games a month instead of that fifteen dollar subscription fee and have some really good games to play. Totally. I mean, yeah, and absolutely. and they're all different, and some of them are just ideas and concepts that you know a major gaming uh, company would never let see, you know, daylight. So. Totally. Most uh, of the major gaming companies anymore, they're they're only doing sequels. You know, they're only doing. Right. If it's not well, actually a sequel, it's a game that looks stunningly like another really popular <laughs> game and has the similar game mechanics. And then there's Zynga, which just does it blatantly. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, who doesn't even pretend that's not what they're doing? Right. It's it's almost as if uh, box sales are just taking advantage of the suckers to try to recoup some of that uh, development cost. You know. Because just like they were saying with Secret World, it's, there's an item shop in there already. So yeah, I mean, what's the yeah, point in getting playing. the whole game? I mean, really, yeah. it's you know it's going to turn free to play. I mean, it's already there, so why even bother getting it and or even trying it until it goes there? It goes that there, route because there's always some person who's a little bit more devoted than you that they know that they can depend on to buy the game. You know, there you and go. They're, then they're, they're proving it with the people in the Facebook game, The Secret World. You have a ton of people who have already built up loyalty with it um, that have spent so much time. You know, it's just it just makes sense. They they can make money off of those box sales. I think I get it. I think I've come up with the perfect model. If I were like an evil game publisher like EA or somebody. What I would do is I would design all these MMOs to come out and initially announce that they were going to be a subscription model and run that for three months before going, well, it just fits us better to go free-to-play. So that way they'd buy the game. You'd get like maybe $45 worth of 
you know, three months of subscription before they pe- the people realized there was really nothing to this game. Then you switch over to free-to-play and go, oh, it's a reinvented grassroots-based game community that everyone has a say in, and here you go. And then well, the you, mark, like... Isn't that what's going on right now? Yeah. Already, yeah. yeah. It seems like yeah. it's already happening. Yeah, oh, no, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't me realizing what to do. That was me realizing that's what they're doing to me. Realizing uh, what's already been done. ridiculous yeah. anymore. Epiphany ended. It's really just, I, I don't know, I, I think the, the genre as a whole has just gone down the tubes. It's just... It's the same game cranked out with different with a different graphics engine, um, well, slightly different com- combat mechanics. Uh, you know, really, there's no innovation going on in that. Yeah, genre I mean, I would argue all. even over and they're they're, they're, they're scared forward. to do that, and and I don't blame them for being scared to innovate a little bit just because you know of all the money involved. But come on, I mean. Especially with the old Republic, I expected there to be like so much more to it than just. You know your well, standard I mean, MMO trappings with some dialogue involved in the middle of all of it, and that's well, all. Well, I mean now, now don't too, sell that too game. Older, short. Yeah, yeah, don't sell that game short. That is, <laughs> I mean, you're still buying. Oh, here we go. It's going to get personal once you start. Hey, it's uh, it's still it's still a Bioware story times eight. Yeah, that's right. You get eight Bioware games out of that one. I mean, you, you don't really even do. Have to. Now, you, hey, you can you can knock the mechanics and everything else, but you can't knock the story. It's better than most MMOs out there, and don't say it isn't or, because or it any is. other RPG. But I think Jason has a really good point though about the lack of differentiation and the lack of innovation in in the MMOs. Yeah, I know. It's I even, have a good point, and oh boy, you know, it's all hell. It, hell yeah, hell it's fixes. even more. It's even more stagnant than most of the game industry. It really is. Oh, it's just you're, God. You're, you're right. You're right, Bob. It is. Of of all the game genres possible, like the MMO one is so stagnant because people complain, they, they rail against like the constraints of MMO standard gameplay, and yet when presented with something totally wild and crazy, like EVE Online or something like that, they're like, nah, it's not quite a, what I want. I want, yeah. I want my boundaries, and I want my restrictions, and I want this. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe that's if anybody maybe says. That, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, if anybody has bought Old Republic to get something new and innovative from the MMO mechanic side of it, they were sadly disappointed. If they no. bought it to get something a little more compelling from a story standpoint, they probably are fairly satisfied. That, that was my whole goal for that one was I wanted a refinement of the MMO genre. And they succeeded in every aspect except for putting together groups for um, multiplayer content. You know that that part they didn't have the dungeon finder type thing. They didn't have um, battlegrounds, which is just so ironic because it's supposed to be a massively multiplayer role playing yeah. game that does not work like a massively multiplayer role playing no, game. That, mm. that part they've failed in thus far. Although I'm expecting them to fix it, but. The the rest of it, though, like Scott said, you get eight Bioware games for the price of one. Um, well, not really because you're paying a monthly subscription fee. Well, but, but I still get really eight have... Bioware games. I would buy eight Bioware games in a row at 50 bucks a piece to play through. Well, and are stories. I mean, really, I'm, I've, I've played through one completely, and it was awesome. I'm halfway through another one, and it is so far very awesome. So the writing is way better than your average... Well, no, way better than even, you know, I'd say better than World of Warcraft's writing by far. It's more like an RPG. So they've succeeded there. There's just the other 
the other things, that other nastiness we won't delve into. Hey, Mark, do you, do you think if uh, we complain enough, do you think Bioware will change the ending of the Old Republic? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You have to bake them 500 cupcakes first. Yeah. Got to <laughs> spam, spam pastries. I think um, I'm, something like The Old Republic is is just fine. Like, I really, I love that game, and it's I love it because of its story, and I know that, you know, other things might not be as innovative, but I'm going to get to a burnout point with that, unlike, um, you know, maybe like an open-world MMO or something like that, that, you know, I might be able to make my own story and play longer. I know that once I play the classes I want to play, I'm just not going to play anymore, and, and that's it's not surprising, it's not terrible for me. Uh, I don't. I think maybe I've grown up with MMOs a little bit and know that I can just. I don't have to have one that I'm dedicated to. Um, I just don't need to. I mean, something like uh, Terra. Terra just came out, and that's for me personally. It's the exact opposite in almost every way of the older public. Uh, it does one thing really well: super innovative, innovative, interesting action combat. Like. Closer to action combat than I've ever seen in DCUO, Vindictus, any other game. Man, oh man, it is fantastic. But everything else about it, the story is just like, you ask me what it is because I don't know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I, I never skip through quests. Never. It doesn't matter how boring and stupid it is. I will read, nope, skip through the quests. They don't make any sense. Who the you hell just cares? Like the, you like the killing. It is that the combat, the one thing, the combat is, is is amazing. And for me, since I need story more than combat, I played The Old Republic like crazy. Only played that one for, you know, what, like 30, 40 hours and I'm done with it. Uh, but I have a friend who I got into it and he is just like about to lose his job. He's just like, I, I can't go to work. I just can't. I got to kill these bams. They're amazing. What is that? I don't know. I just kill them. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> It's just fun. So, well, you, you know, know we, ju we just don't, it's not our game, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, great commentary from everyone. I don't know if anyone else has anything to chime in on this, but as far as what they, where they think MMOs should be in five years or will be in five years, or if Guild Wars 2 will change the, the landscape significantly, like Guild Wars 1 did, where they were like, all your models you have, we have our own, and we're sticking with it. And they made money with it. They were successful. So successful that they could go, instead of like whipping this horse and making more expansions for Guild Wars 1, we want to go with Guild Wars 2 and just change the way we do everything because there's things we just haven't been able to realize with the engine and everything Wars 1, which pretty amazing, really. For me, Man, I know we uh, sound hypocritical too, don't we? Sometimes when we when we demand innovation from some of these games, but yet when we talk about Diablo three, we're like, oh, we're perfectly fine with with uh, Diablo three just turning out the same gameplay that we but, experienced ten years ago. But Diablo three is refined, like fun, eye candy, <laughs> crack. It's like it's like actually, it's kind of like. When everybody gave the, and I'm just, I'm gonna totally spoil. It's like porn, no, the cum shot never gets old. It's like, yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> that. But like everybody said, the and Avengers is a really killer movie, and I was like, man, I can't imagine an ensemble superhero movie being really good. And then, like everybody kept telling me that over and over and over, and I finally saw it, and I was like, man, it was fun. It was 
like eye candy to the max. I felt happy watching it. I was involved in it, and the CGI was seamless. It was really fun. It was great. So in the end, you just have to kind of go, well, you know, maybe if a game, you know, satisfies me on all these different levels, why am I complaining about it? Why am I overthinking it? It's just good. It's fun. So I don't know. That's that's kind of my whole take on, on like the, the Diablo 3 analysis of what could they have done to innovate the gameplay? Well, I don't know. It's just fun. I like it. I like I like doing my little abilities and killing things on a massive scale. It's fun to knock stuff off the map. I like seeing that. So, Well, if they did go too far from it, it would not be Diablo. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good point. Well, that's that's like the guy that wrote the article about how Diablo... He had played the, the Diablo 3 beta in an yeah. early phase and said, it should really, really... This needs to move to a FPS, is what it really needs to do. Well, and I was ooh. like, okay... <laughs> That guy needs to never be allowed to express his opinions in public. Right. Clearly, yeah. he's too dumb to have them. To, to consider that that guy is a writer for like a major gaming, you know, website. There's, actually, there's already a game like that. It's called Borderlands. It is Borderlands, exactly. But yep. to think that that guy will be allowed to go to E3, where none of us will, really chaps my ass because clearly the guy is clueless. Other than his ability to string sentences together that are grammatically and syntactically correct, he has nothing else going on upstairs. You know, like doesn't <laughs> doesn't understand what the fuck's going on. You know, the opinions of Channel Massive, the opinions of Mark Miller do not necessarily reflect the opinions <laughs> of the entire staff of Channel Massive. I think they have to do the Channel Massive. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, I don't know. I, I like to point out the fact that I actually was so moved by the guy's lameness or laymanosity to coin a phrase in a, in a Bush <laughs> kind of way that I wrote a, I wrote a I competing piece where I, thank you, where I said, well, actually Diablo three should be a, a rhythm game because that makes uh, even yeah. more sense than moving it to a, a FPS format. But I mean, it's like, come on, you know, it's, it's that's just the way it's supposed to be played, and that's fine, and it's enjoyable. You don't like go, man. I wish chess was like done in a different way. I don't know. I wish it was underwater and was like all infrared or something. You go, no, that's the game. Chess is chess. Chess has been around for thousands of years, and this is how it's supposed to be. And well, Diablo is change a classic, like say, you know, Battleship really needs aliens and. To resemble Transformers more. That would be retarded if someone were to try to cash in on that franchise and make a major motion picture and cast that crazy whore for money, Liam Neeson. And yet they did. And make what? a first-person shooter. They yeah, that into a first-person that's the shooter. part that particularly bugs me, the first-person shooter out of it. What are you guys talking about? You're just kidding, right? Yeah. This can't you know what? It's the, it's, the, it's the Steven Seagal of the Transformer movies. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite so pretty to look at, but still a Transformer movie. I don't know. Did we really solve anything <laughs> during this discussion about MMOs? I don't think so. I don't Have think we when, ever. I don't know. We never, <laughs> we never will. <laughs> these these topics are not meant to solve anything. They're just to open up a, a, a forum for a dialogue for discussion, make people think. Which we got yeah. the hell out of that. So. Well, out of the discussion that I thought was interesting is uh, somebody was mentioning EVE Online. 
I wonder yeah. if there's actually a future for a lot more niche MMOs like that. Oh, that was good. that's a great MMOs. point. If because anything, I think I think MMOs may go back to that. Well, you know, more dedicated, smaller communities. Yeah, almost more like the old muds of the uh, text era, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's not like we were talking about before. It's all going to come crashing down, and and then you're going to get the small, you know, more indie type games that are popping up, you know. And that's when I'm going to be happy. Because right now I try to play. I, I love MMOs still, or I, at least I think I love them. Maybe I'm just fucking stubborn, but it, it I might play just be Stockholm syndrome, right? Yeah, exactly. I just uh, I play them like crazy, but I definitely do not have as much fun as I used to with them. Yeah, that's 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 a drag. So if they go smaller scale indie like that, the question I guess is, would they go back to being monthly subscription, or is free to play still going to be the, the wave of the future? Free, free to play will be the way to go unless they're super super niche. Because I mean, think about it. What's the next niche one that interests you? Um, the game with the unpronounceable title from uh, Notch. Escape to the Sea. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, which I don't that, know if you really classify that as a, an MMO, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm highly interested in that. Is anybody at all excited about MechWarrior Online? Oh, yeah. That'd be cool, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too. I mean, that's it's like they could do all of that all the time, and it's probably just going to end up being the same old, you know, all right, look for the exclamation mark on your mini-map so it'll point you to which quest you go to, and, okay, I'm going to go travel towards that exclamation mark now because that's where I know my next quest is, and, oh, joy, okay, I can go kill some, you know, go kill 10 mechs, and I'll go kill 10 mechs, and then I'll come back, and then, oh, Please deliver this piece of uh, hardware to this particular area, and uh, um, there you go. Don't, Jason was not at all. I in think sarcastic. that may not be what your MechWarrior Online is going to play much more like World of Tanks. I hope so. I, I hope it's not like you know your standard MMO fare. I really do. No, I think it'll be much more arena based, that kind of stuff. Actually. Uh, the 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 one from Notch, that's the one that most excites me as far as where MMOs are heading because I think it'll be like a totally different, like totally different view on MMOs or multiplayer gaming. Um, you know, persistent worlds, uh, just your interface with reality. It's just so different to have this computer that you can program with assembler. I mean. <laughs> I mean, when you think about what that could be, like a, a virtual app store online for apps that make your starship actually be able to perform combat maneuvers. It's but again, that that's also a little niche, though, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's super what, niche. That's, I mean, that's, that's what makes it awesome. Yeah, that's you know, right. Some of you, I mean, I'm just I'm just saying for some of you, for the mainstream, probably not so much. But that, that, that's the that, great that thing about the niche, though, is there's a niche for if there's enough niches, there's something for that covers all of the mainstream. I think we need to move to our next roundtable topic. Now that the novelty has worn off, do you think motion gaming has been a good or bad thing for the industry? How about iOS, Android, and Facebook games? Jeff, you've been eerily silent. Let's start off with you. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. I mean, I remember when the Wii first came out. Along, I mean, I'm sure we can all agree it was 
pretty fascinating and interesting to see this new input mechanism for games, but it quickly devolved into shovelware, as they called it, and there wasn't any real <laughs> gameplay innovation. It was simple, rudimentary mechanics with hand waggling. But that being said, I think there's a lot of potential there, but it hasn't really been reached. You know, my my first thing, first thought for the motion gaming thing would be, have you guys like ever like I don't know passed out while watching Game of Thrones or something like that on uh, on demand, and then you wake up and there's this like infomercial for the Insanity workout or P90X or something like that. The shake guys, weight. Yeah, the shake weight. That's, that's <laughs> oh God, Jason's not the shake personal weight. favorite. But but have you ever like seen those oh, videos? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> man, if they would just take that, because I think it's just a video that you like, you try to mimic on your mat on your floor or whatever, or with your little weights or whatever. But if they like took that and built it into a, um, you know, like a a connect a, a game or something. You could like make people do workouts at an insane rate, and you could even maybe add some value from the vitality sensor for the Nintendo, which is of course my personal favorite like artifact <laughs> of failed ideas for this this like decade. Um, but seriously, I mean, you could like make like the ultimate workout game with those things for for the uh, you know at least for motion gaming. I don't know. There's has anybody been, ever there's thought been of a that? lot of workout it, games though for for those? Yeah, there was a bunch. There has been. Actually. Oh, I know. I know that UFC one's supposed to be really good, and just the dancing one will, like, wear you out. But I don't know. It just seems like that would be, like, the ultimate extension, you know, for that. Yeah. I think we have not seen the last of that technology, though. I was just reading something the other day about a, a company that's got a new motion tracking hardware that's supposed to be have a fine enough resolution to be able to actually track individual finger motions. So you can do, like, pinch to zoom in the air and that sort of thing. Dang. And Probably. I think once that sort of thing, thing starts hitting games, assuming, of course, that it's not actually just bullshit paperware, um, I think we'll see more interesting games. But I don't think it'll ever replace a controller. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the traditional controller, why you can sit on a couch and relax and get the truest form of escapism, I think, is through a regular old controller. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Motion gaming, for me, is it's kind of like a speed bump. You're driving down the road, you hit a bad speed bump, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> but then you just keep fucking driving. Like it's cool to look at. But then Put you're it done. out of your mind. Yeah, exactly. You you look at it and then you're done. Because I know, I mean, I got a Wii back in the day, a couple of years ago, for the kids and stuff. And you know, I played bowling and all this other other stuff. But eventually, I was like trying to play it sitting on the couch, and it just wasn't working. So I quit, and then we sold the Wii. So I mean, it's it's gone. I I, I think, and then. Looking at you know iOS and and Android games, that stuff, it's kind of in the same category for me. Uh, for the motion control, it's janky, it's garbage. So if they come up with a way to actually uh, actually make it viable uh, and, and it'll work, I, have you guys tried playing uh, Skyrim with the voice commands? Yes, no. I have actually. Yeah, my kid is yelling at the TV, and it's like I don't understand you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I'm like, just stop, just push the buttons, man. It's it's is it, stuff. Is it buttons. is it Jason? Is it a good experience or is it? Yeah, it, it's kind of. 
I'd say like the same thing when I tried to do the, the uh, voice commands for Mass Effect Three, is where yeah, it, it, the funny thing is is that it doesn't it works like half the time, and the other half it doesn't work so well. It, it's really it's weird. more frustrating it's like, than it not working at all. Yeah, it is. It's like God damn, it works like. So you so you do it like the first time, and it's like oh shit, it works, and then you you hit the same command. And the command doesn't register. Something happens. It's it's not implemented very well. I I, I can see where where the future of it might be really good, but right now, it's still kind of uncharted territory. I guess you could say. So what it's not. The, no, go ahead. In that, in that instance, what is it particularly used for? The like dragon shouts and stuff. Or? Yeah, I mean, you, well, you can't really even do that. I mean, you oh. cannot say you like try. Windows full. <laughs> Yeah, you could try. You could try. Many have tried and failed. Uh, and when you try doing that, it doesn't work. I mean, I, and trust me, I have tried that. You know, just switching weapons, just say, you know, just saying like a simple command, like uh, even in Mass Effect Three, where you can tell your, uh, like, say you were going to tell Liara to switch weapons or something like that. You were supposed to say, Liara, switch weapons. Well, that works once out of every two or three times. I mean, it, it, it's not consistent. It, it's, it's one of those weird things where... It's not even, it's not even so much that. It's like the... You, you kind of wish, well, god damn, you know, the whole voice command and the motion control thing, you, you wish they would work in harmony, and they just... They don't yet. It's not quite perfect. I, I don't think that it's... I don't think it's a fad. I think it, it will eventually become, like, one of those standard things where where everybody will include it in their games, once the technology gets to that point where it's usable all the time. Yeah. Uh, but right now it's just, yeah, it, we're, we're in those experimental phases. Yeah, isn't that the wacko part about it? Like, we're right, we're right at the edge where we can see where this would be awesome, but yeah. we realize, yeah, it's going to be years from now before they figure it out. We're, you know, oh, God, my kid's going to be able to play this, but I'm not. Fuck them. Fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm gonna buy this shit for him. Uh, when as soon as I hit what 35, I'm gonna say no video games just because I don't want them to play it when they fix this stuff. Yeah, like because stuff it's like um. So cool when it happens, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Stuff like um. Uh. So I have my Wii. I still have my Wii. I I have some classic games on my Wii that I will keep forever. I love these experiences. They really transcend the idea of. You know, graphics aren't everything. You know, just it's it's good gameplay, right? But there's one game that like uh, it was a Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword that came out. That this is this is the game that proved motion gaming for me. It's such a clever, neat way of doing things, um, and the game really kind of it's skill based and accurate enough that you you know you you can just get into it and 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 get excited about having to uh, worry about which way to slash things and, and, and uh, figuring out the tells of different enemies. But I realized, like, and I think I've heard this from other podcasts and stuff, that I wanted this to be the launch game for the Wii. I wanted it to start from this point instead of it being, you know, now at its the end of its life cycle and it's coming out with this, like, classic gem that I really love, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's just like, man, I just got to see them. This is This is the prototype phase. I really hope that... Wii U takes all that stuff and pushes it forward. I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think I'm gonna turn around and drive over that speed bump again. I'm pretty much done with that shit. <laughs> I say, say, say PU to Wii U. Yeah. 
Wii U does look pretty goofy. How about our next topic? Is which which trend over the last five over the last five years could you have lived without? Like which gaming trend have you noticed that you just you look at, you look at it and say, "Dang, I wish." Oh, if no. I can go back in time, if I can go back in time and kill gaming Hitler, which which gaming Hitler would you kill? So this is just gaming. Any gaming trend over the over the last over the last five years that you could have lived without? If you can go back in time and stop that gaming trend, what would it be? I know Mark and Noah talked about it on last episode, but uh, I think it, for me it would be the single player MMOs where you can go through the whole the whole friggin' you know leveling process <laughs> until the end, and then they force you to group with people. And nobody knows how to play, and it's all a bunch of fucking garbage. Uh, yeah. it, it's that that for me is was my stake to the heart because, like I said, I, I'm a big MMOer, you know, and I always sit there and I think back in the day with uh, Dark Age of Camelot, you know, that that kind of stuff where it forced you to group together, it forced that community, that sense of community, and there wasn't a bunch of people running around being asshats and stuff. It, Whatever I think, I mean, a lot of people blame World of Warcraft for that, but uh, whatever kind of t- turned the MMO industry over into this single-player bullshit is what I would knock off the slate there. Man, that's, that's a good one. That's a really good point, and it's funny because I hadn't even thought of that as coming up, but yeah, like the best part about that is. When everybody finally gets to like the the epic, let's 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 four of us form a group and we'll go tank this you know boss and everything. But everybody has like built their character to be like a jack of all trades, and so nobody excels at anything. They're yeah. like, wait, I'm tanking. No, I'm tanking. No, wait, I can't tank though. But no, no I, mean, I can't. I can't hold uh, aggro even though I'm I can't hold aggro yeah. either. Well, I Did can't do DPS. Of... Can you do DPS? I, I have, what about crowd control? No, we don't have that either. Not really. We can each crowd control one thing, but yeah. yeah you know that game's Did called of Benny Hill. That game is called The Old Republic. Oh, sick bird! Damn. Yes. <sighs> no. Burn. <laughs> so we don't we don't have to just pick MMOs, right? We can do anything. No, you yeah. can pick any kind of gaming oh, oh. trend. We're way off there. MMO track so, right now. We're on whatever. It can okay, even so, be a, a, a non-video uh, game, even. Well, my, mine is just like the yearly iterative games, like just Madden and Call of Duty and everything like that. I know it's not a possibility for them to get rid of this. They just want it because they make too much money off of it. But just I just I'm tired of them having to come out with a a game every year that's not much different than the last one. You know what I mean? Just making you're talking about like, you get the right from the hell. What? You're you're just complaining about the sequels from hell, like like Madden and like even Street Fighter. Like Street Fighter has like every, like a new game like now every year now. Ever since they decided, okay, we're gonna do Street Fighter Four. Now we're gonna do Street Fighter Four something something. Yeah, Street I just, Fighter I versus just, Capcom. Street Fighter versus something such. Hello? Yeah, yeah. The the big the, yeah the big sequels <laughs> are the are the ones that are pretty terrible. Like I just I can't the the whole the whole idea of, of 
you know, quantity over quality, just the, that the industry has. I, I mean, it makes sense if they can make money off of it. That's just what they do. It's just you don't you don't get anything you don't get anything of worth out of it. That, yeah, that's, there, I mean, that's really why the diff- indie games are coming out. That's why those these indie games are getting popular because they're filling that you know you know that gap in once again it, that these guys with all their sequels are you know it's the same shit over and over again. These mm-hmm. indie games are innovative they're different and that's why i think that they're they're getting bigger yeah is is there really any yeah. difference between any of the call of duty games i mean really yeah no and, well, they, and they they almost can't be because of their fan base right. right you piss you piss off the fan base you you've destroyed something beautiful wait a minute that's are we talking about first person shooters or mmos <laughs> no, we're not talking about MMOs at all anymore. I just thought I would chime that in there for you, Jason. So Yeah. Line blurred. Line definitely blurred. Thank you. And, and that's what I love about indie games, too, is they, they almost, when done, you know, to the best of their ability, they have quantity and quality. You have these smaller scale, little bite-sized things that can be kicked out pretty darn quick. Because they have, they're smaller. They don't have this huge budget. They don't have to take years. So you get a bunch of them. You just a bunch of these quick experiences, you know, that you don't hold a grudge on if it only takes you an hour and a half, or you only end up playing it for a few evenings, you know. Uh, but you well, you got a quality experience. Yeah, there's no there's no market. What's that, Bob? Oh, I was gonna say, what are some of your favorite indie games, Eric? Uh, okay, so let's see. What did I play last? Uh, I just played the. Uh, oh, what is you, you give me a second. Give me a second. I gotta click around. I, I got the I got the name in my head, but it's not pressure. Oh, pressure. Oh, nice. Says, right, nice. The pressure is on. I just gotta I remember. The, what's the one trend you could have lived without? What's the one trend over the past five years that you absolutely love? Mm, yeah. See, that's pretty good. But we haven't got through. What we should have lived without. <laughs> We still have to talk about That's that. Topic first, five. Man. Well, I want to hear Noah's. Uh, what 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 trend could you have lived without, Noah? This has been hard because I've been sitting here grateful that I wasn't speaking because uh, I've been vacillating in my mind about my answer, and the, initially my answer vacillating was it's a... uh, it was actually going to be motion control gaming, uh, which I didn't really talk about in the last. Uh, roundtable discussion on the and the reason that I vacillate about that is that it's been re- it was really great for Nintendo and it helped the company regain relevance and it really expanded the gaming market. It got people that I never thought would be trying video games to actually try them, but it only went so far and it ended up with this really pathetic gold rush attempt on Sony and Microsoft's behalf. And I'm just really sick of motion control games. I never even got that much into Skyward Sword. And it and just feels like a needless detour that the best outcome that I think can come from motion gaming is that using motions and voice to control interfaces that aren't related to games. I think that's really the sweet spot for Connect, for instance. It's not about playing games. It's about being able to navigate menus and get through interfaces. And it's, you know, it's the natural evolution. I think most computer uh, computer-based applications are going to go is this voice recognition whether or motion or touch or something. That works really well. Video games, yeah, there will be a niche for it, but nothing that's super compelling, nothing that's like, oh, this is the next World of Warcraft, and it's all based around motion controls. I just don't see that. Yeah, that's not going to happen. The other thing that I was kind of vacillating about, and 
I, I probably feel a little bit more negative or, or strongly against that I, I could live without is just how video game consoles are become are trying so hard or perhaps too hard in my opinion to become all in one hubs. When Xbox 360 launched, it didn't have the greatest interface, and then it was redesigned, and I liked it better. But now it's been redesigned more and more just to be about throwing freaking internet ads at me and promoting uh, television subscription services, which a lot of people use uh, their machines for, but I don't. And I kind of miss my game machines being just about games versus just turning into this big box of commercials and trying to solve so many things for me that I never really wanted it to. With phones that worked, I felt like there was a lot of benefits to it. With my video game machines trying to do the same thing, it just I, maybe it's because I've just played games for too long, but I just that's not what I'm looking for out of my game consoles. Well, and the, you know your game consoles was a, was a task device as opposed to your phone is a is like a life companion. It's with you all the time. So, oh, I need to find a number. Oh, I need to. You have different requirements from your device at different times. A video game well, console is a task-based device. I right, want to go. I want to go play a game. On your yeah, phone, you, you know, you can that. put the things yeah. that you want front and center, and the stuff that you don't use very much, you can kind of push that off to the side. The thing that really sucks about the new Xbox 360 dashboard is that. You know, if you just want, if you just use it to play games, and it, I would think most people use it mainly for games, you've got to go way in the hell across the interface to go get to your damn games. Yeah, yeah, they have sort of put that off to the side. Mine would be uh, social networking games. <laughs> well, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. Oh, yeah. I think I think they have uh, they have really lowered gaming expectations. Yeah, farm like bills what, high. What a game! <laughs> what a game is a what makes a game? What is a game? I think that is in on the computer side. That is that has been really watered down, and it's all because of that. I cannot believe how many people play Farmville. Have you ever actually tried that? No, never tried it. I, yeah, I decided I to try it to see I what did. it was about. And what did you? What was your thoughts? Uh, I actually. It was. I tried it back in the beginning of all these Facebook games. You know the big mm -hmm. explosion. Uh, it was halfway decent for about I don't know three days, and then I was like, "What the fuck is this? This sucks dicks for nickels. This is stupid." Yeah, it is, <laughs> it's not even. It's not even really a game. I mean, it is really barely above a uh, a hamster like pushing a pedal to get pellets out. Yeah, it's like work. That's yeah, good. it actually reminds me a lot of slot machines, really, except that it never pays out. It's a big Pavlov deal where you just you get little coins and you're like, ooh, and you start friggin' salivating. It's it's garbage. Yeah. It's a hor it's a horrible thing to say, but it's almost a catch twenty two because we need this broader audience to help the sustain sustainability of the industry. It's like in order for video games to survive, it has to branch out to an audience that obviously none of See, us. See, I, I, I somewhat disagree. Maybe to get the broad base of games that we have right now, but yeah. the 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 genre existed before, and it would have existed since then. It would have just be much more niche and not as profitable, but it's still profitable instead right, of getting fifteen games that are maybe worth playing a year. You maybe get two, right? But you still get two good games. That's true. Well, and there are, there are other games that are doing a good job at bringing non-gamers into gaming. You know, the 
a lot of the stuff on the Wii or games like Angry Birds on the phone, you know, that are just cute. People who don't really think of themselves as gamers. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you don't have to. I mean, it doesn't have to be a, a, com, a complex game to be compelling. I mean, hell, right. Diablo Three is not technically a complex game when you boil it right <laughs> down. True, but, but that's not compelling. a game that's going to bring other people into gaming who's not who aren't already gamers. I think it just kind of depends on the the type of game. I, I think some games work pretty good on Facebook. Games like uh, like Bejeweled Blitz. I'm I'm a freaking Bejeweled Blitz addict. I love that damn yeah, I game. I love Bejeweled Blitz too. I'll yeah. That. That's 60 and seconds so, of love right there. Yeah, exactly. And, and and so a game like that works really good on Facebook. Uh, another Other games that work really good in the social networking, I guess, aspect of games is like Words with Friends. Scramble with friends, you know those kind of games. Draw something. Really well. Yeah, draw something. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, draw something is just, just so, such a simple concept, but it's perfect. It's, you know, you you draw a picture. Somebody has to guess it. it it's Pictionary, but online. Yeah. And and it's one of those perfect social experiences where, you know, I think social gaming like like those kind of games work fantastic in that particular medium. Do you guys think it's important for a broader audience to be reached, or would you prefer it's our special little hobby we have to ourselves? I don't think we have to. You know, those people who are perfectly content with games like Draw Something and Words with Friends and things like that, that's all they'll ever play. And some of them might branch out and try other games, but I don't, I don't think it's like a necessary thing to where, okay, all right, we're going to try to get you addicted to the crack by introducing you to this game, and then hopefully you'll advance to a different game. I, I don't think the two are necessarily related. Yeah, yeah think it, would be nice. it would be nice if they did not try to water down what we loved about the genre to match these people that really weren't interested in it to begin with. Yeah. yeah don't that's morph what I like into something I don't like just to help find the person that wasn't interested in it to begin with. Yeah, and then coming coming full circle, that's a trend that I'm kind of not I think upset, we're going but, swinging back the other way now. So, But a trend I haven't been happy with is like the oversaturation of like tutorials at the beginning of a game that really removes you from the immersion. Like, I don't need to know how to do every little specific thing. I can figure it out for myself, and that's part of the appeal for a challenge in a video game. I like you know, games that are able to do that in a transparent way. Right. Yeah, that's just, really you know, awesome. It, like, introduces you to it, but it doesn't say, hey... Yeah, here's how you... Well, I mean, a great example of a compelling game that does that is League of Legends. I mean, it doesn't handhold you to begin with. It throws you right in. Well, that's good. That's old school. It's not trying to appeal to somebody who's never really played a video game in their entire life. Now, it's brutal until you learn how to play, (laughs) but... I think Portal 2 does a good job of gradually introducing the game mechanics. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a very good point. It does a very good. fantastic job of doing that. Right. It doesn't really take you out with a uh, out of the game it gives with a you really a tool, yeah. tutorial. Yeah, it gives you a tool to work with and 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 it gives you kind of like a like a puzzle to figure out. And once you figure out the puzzle, 
then it introduces the same puzzle, but it kind of graduates it up a little bit. And since you've already figured out how you solved the last puzzle, yep. you know, doing the same thing, you know, it doesn't come right out and tell you, okay, you're supposed to do this, this, and this. It's like, it says, okay, you know what? Uh, you've already learned these skills from the last level that you just completed. So take those skills that you just learned and, and take them into the next level. Mm-hmm. Man, I think that's a really good example. Nicely done. Well said. Anybody else hasn't chimed in on this uh, particular topic? Bueller. 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 Well, I have mine. So my my most annoying... Um, Our time's up, Mark. Thank you very much. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my my pet peeve is um and and it has happened before the last 5 years but certainly the last 5 years have been the golden age of it and that's where you release a game that's really just based solely upon an IP that's been licensed um i find that to be incredibly irritating and and i don't i don't know that many games that are <clears throat> have come out that have been kind of designed you know, based to make this IP shine, so to speak, have succeeded. I mean, I think, I think, you know, um, Star Wars like movie Republic tie-in was games. good. Yeah, right. movie tie-in games, you know, Facebook games, yeah, all that stuff. It's like, well, we have this great IP for this movie, but the game itself is just crap, but yet we're going to release this upon an unsuspecting public and make them play it and you know, if they play it and if they do all this other stuff, they might get like $2 off a ticket to the movie or something. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really annoying as a consumer to be inundated with this crap. And I don't know if anyone thinks there's been an exception to the rule, but I have not yet seen one that was not just total crap. Uh, Mark, if you I have just, I've got a my, good one. Uh, beer later, I will cook you some. Something on your grill later. Mm. What about Chronicles of Riddick? Huh? I did like the Chronicles of Riddick games. Escape from Butcher Bay. Yeah. Good game. That was good. But I don't think that was that was different because for one thing, Vin Diesel is like a huge gamer and he also his game company, yeah. has his own like yeah, his own little boutique game company. Yeah, who else was a really good Hardcore gamer, Kurt Schilling. Just saying. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was coming. That was Kingdom coming. of of Amalar, The Reckoning is not the worst game ever made, hey, though. I was. I didn't say it was. Else. You wanted an example of a good movie game that had that popped out solely because of the movie, and there you go. All right, how about a Twilight game? <sighs> <laughs> All right, nobody is allowed to vomit during this part of the segment. Too late. Even Why well, not? in your own in your own mouth is okay, but outside of your body <laughs> is forbidden. <laughs> Twilight Facebook game. It'll it'll wrap up all those uh, non gamers into it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man, this is. So if you exciting. want entertainment, though, find a group of girls that like Twilight and say, you know what, I have another set of movies based on a war between the werewolves and the vampires. It's called Underworld. Let's watch these. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a little bit better. No, you know what? The, the thing is, I, and Scott, I I have proof of this because my wife is just like this, except she's not like a teenage girl. 
obviously, is that she uh, she totally gets into everything that is zombies or vampires now. It's like they're like the new the new girl thing to do. Vampires and zombies, they can't get enough of it. That's funny because my my wife is uh she's reading this book right now, the zombie love story, I think it's called. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's a love story based on zombies loving each other and shit. So That's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not just your wife, it's a I love you so much I wanna eat your brains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, I don't see I I don't see the sexy sexy romantic uh, part of zombies. It's just. It's just uh, I'm with vampire. you on that one. I don't get that at all. It's like the the vampire ones, but in slow motion. But the women you know love what, it. You know what? Funny. My wife loves watching that stuff, so I watch it with her just just so we can have some kind of commonality going why, on. Why Why are slow zombies funny and fast zombies scary? Yeah, it's true. <sighs> See, because fast zombies can get to your brain easier. That's that's the whole deal. Fast zombies are not real zombies. <laughs> okay, we got slow zombies are real zombies. Okay, They're not yeah. George R. Romero, you know. Yeah, <laughs> true, true that. All right, well let's um let's finish this up. This is uh, our last topic and my favorite. Nope, one. nope. we're nope. going back in time. The um the indie games I'm playing are To the Moon, <laughs> Sequence, <laughs> Gemini Rue, and The Binding of Isaac. I pop in oh, nice. games. So. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Eric. You're welcome. Yeah, what was the first one? I will look forward to those at a to local the... independent game shop near you. To the yeah, moon, I'll, I'll send you a link. Yeah, I'll send I you think... a link. Okay, when cool. our civilization has crumbled into ruin and the lost archives of Channel Massive are discovered and that last bit that you, you spewed out is discovered, many will realize the genius of what you've said. But for now... Oh. Let's right along it. with Mark's diatribe about the Wheel of Time book series. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. That will become the basis of our next civilization. Become, it will become a, uh, a form, it will become a religion. This is like our last segment, and it's the one that I really like the most. Um, so... What is it going to take for the games industry to attain true cultural relevance? Um, there are still tons of negative stereotypes around our favorite hobby. While film and music have gazillions of different awards with which they celebrate themselves, such as the Oscars, the Grammys, Emmys, we're stuck with what? The Spike TV Video Game Awards? In short, we live to see the day that games are recognized as a bona fide artistic medium. W- when is this going to happen? I think the and, and I, I would point out sure. that the gaming industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Yep. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, it, people talk about the making of the, of the Avengers movie and what it cost, which was, what was it, like $250 million? But, like, the Old Republic was $200 million. So... It's a big deal. When is yeah, it going to become relevant? It's a multi-billion-dollar industry, but the the sad truth is, it just has this negative connotation. Like, it's to the outside observer, it's just about blood, guts, and nudity. It's like which we don't even little, have. 
Right. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I wish right? we had that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but there, it's like, there does need to be more nudity in games. <laughs> okay, Bob. Just throwing that in. Witcher <laughs> <laughs> 2? Witcher 2. I will say that the fact that the base has grown has allowed more games that have, I would guess, realistic artistic content as opposed to kind of a money cash-in. They're much more likely to be made now than they were in the past. I, I think it's coming, man, because, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, it was like I, I was a gamer ever since I could, you know, walk and play my Intellivision but, and my Commodore 64. But, you know, back then it was like, oh, you play video games, you're a nerd, and, and you kind of hit it. But now, due to, you know, Call of Duty and all these other things, that it, it, it's bringing people into, uh, you know, the gaming fold. It's it's more expected or, or accepted than it was before. Yeah, I think so it's coming. Al- I think that shift has really already happened in a way. I mean, I think depending on the age group that you're talking about, if you're talking about younger people, you know, 20-year-olds or something like that, I don't think there really is a stigma about playing games because almost everybody does. When you start getting into a little older group, you know, late 40s, 50s or something like that, then there is still a big stigma. And then in the middle, it still kind of goes back and forth depending on, you know, the the demographic, you know, of, of the people that you're around. Yeah, But, I, I mean, I think that's yeah. pretty well already shifted. I mean, when you look at the uh, the size of the video game industry, you know, lots of people are playing. The video game industry has higher revenues in the U.S. yearly than the music industry and the movie industry combined. Thank you for that. That's the stat. Yeah, yeah it's it's culturally relevant to you know you get guys like Ice T, who who is bitching about the ending of Mass Effect Three just like everybody else. Uh, you, you know you get people like Jimmy Fallon who's always pimping video games on his late night talk show. Um, it's already here. We're here. Uh, we have arrived. We're just at the beginning edge of it. Well, no, no, but we have arrived. I mean, it's, there is no stigmatism. There is no, there is no uh, negative connotation attached to, oh, you play video games, you must be a nerd thing anymore. Uh, there, that doesn't exist anymore. It, yeah, it, but it's what... a, you know, which is unfortunate because now we get a bunch of dumbass, uneducated video gamers who don't know the history of video gaming, uh, who try to interject their arguments into it. Uh, but it, yeah, it's Which is already why here. we get all the Madden and Call of Duty games every year, right? Exactly, exactly. But it's already here. We we've been accepted. We, we're yeah, we're what, here. What about the stereotype, particularly in the media, where anytime there's some sort of violent outburst in reality, the first thing they say is, "Well, it's been concluded that." The primary influence was a computer game called Doom, which trained the the person to shoot people. You know, Jeff, it, it's that's no different than than saying that somebody watched a hundred episodes of uh, I don't know some particular show like Happy Days. Somebody watched Happy Days religiously. <laughs> and, you know, I'm being I, you know I, I know that's like a weird reference, but it's well, really all it comes down to is you know, it's crazy like, it's people no different than somebody saying, are okay, crazy. Somebody read this particular book, and they turn yeah, that is a that is that a book, thing that goes and, yeah. You know, but yeah, but that's just. Another sign that video games have arrived as being common, popular. Hey, there's always a scapegoat. At, at one time, it was uh, because they were listening to rock and roll music, right? Right. And then it was 
then it's been that they were listening to video games, and now we're starting to see a lot of it. Well, they spend a lot of time on the Internet, or they spend a lot of time on social networks. So. Exactly. Th- this guy listened to uh, Ozzy Osbourne, and if you play Ozzy Osbourne backwards, you know what you hear? Devil music. Oh, yeah, they <laughs> yeah. Judas, Judas Priest. Him talking no in a high English it's accent. No different. Yeah. <laughs> It's like that guy in uh in Sweden that murdered all those people. There, there were I read a couple of articles. Yeah, and he had on, like wow. the whole Warcraft bullshit. God, yeah, they were blaming it on Wow. I mean, give me a break. It's fucking garbage. You know, so I mean, yeah, you you have all that bullshit going well, everybody on. Everybody he killed did look like a tauren, so. <laughs> yeah, so you have all that bullshit going on, but realize that. Yeah, video games have arrived, and and all that, all these stories, and 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 even though there's some of them are negative, no doubt about it. Yeah, we have arrived. Video yeah, games have it, arrived. We are part of a no, normal social culture. We are part of social culture. It's a very popular part of social culture, right up there with sporting events and movies and music. Video games are right up there. Make no doubt about it. We're they here. Are. We're gamers. Deal with it, right? That's right. You can point to all those topics that you, you guys just discussed, and, and that's your evidence right there. Right. I, I let my kids play some crazy-ass shit. Like, my, my oldest son is playing uh, Max Payne 3 right now, and it's – it's there's just like uh, – <laughs> yeah, there's just – there's some pretty questionable stuff in there, but I mean, you know, the way I mean, they're the next gaming generation. So the way that he plays it, and he understands that this stuff is a game, and you know, he's not going to go out and kill people and you know snort coke and <laughs> you know do all this other shit. It's it's ridiculous that people blame gaming for those kinds of things. And I, I read those articles, and they, I don't know, I, it just makes me want to yell yeah, at Scott. I, I hear you, man. It's just. But know that because those articles exist, because people are asking those questions, just tells you that video games are a part of society now, and they're a they're yeah. a they're a commonplace part of society. A lot of people play them, you know, and they're all aware of them, and you know that's it, man. I mean, everybody knows about them. It was like beforehand, nobody would have known what World of Warcraft was about. Well, you know what? Now, if you mention World of Warcraft, even just somebody who doesn't even play it, they know what it is. That's they true. do. And uh, the biggest con- contributor to that was the uh, Leroy Jenkins video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, we are part of regular culture now, and for good or for bad. That's how it is. <laughs> how, how about in terms uh, of being recognized in a, a truly artistic level, though, like to the extent of the Oscars or Grammys, like Mark mentioned? Yeah. Like, we're definitely not at that. No, that'll take quite a bit longer. We aren't, because uh, aren't, don't we debate the artistic value of video games on this very podcast all the time? Yeah, well, but we do, no, but... we're... Where's but we're not self- the Oscars. We're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're the Academy. <laughs> no, I'm just self- saying. Well, you're asking for like a, a an Academy Awards. Yeah. Like where 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 well who? I mean, do you really? I mean, seriously, who? Okay. So for a uh, sporting event, like say for sports awards, who do you expect to be at a sports awards show? 
people who are involved in sports, right? right. Who do you expect to be at a and, video and game sports well, show? I expect Rihanna to be there, too. She might be, because you know what? Rihanna might play video games. Because she's and in every game. This is the players. Ever. This is like the and contributors, the people that make it. We already have we have an award show. I'm not saying it's a good award show. It's the Spike Video Game Awards, which totally sucks dick. I'm not saying that it's like on par with the fucking Oscars or the Emmys or anything like that. No, it's, it's not. on par with it's, the Nick Awards, okay? It is. It is. It's right there. <laughs> but you know what? You know, there are awards. There are awards. And, and you know who attends those awards? Sometimes people who make movies... And music attend those kind of, you know, they had Samuel L. Jackson. They have guys like, hell, you have guys who, who work in movies now who actually openly admit to playing video games. People who, you know, who are in TV who play, who, they say, yeah, I, oh, I love this video game. I, I play it all the time, blah, 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 blah. Who's that guy on Friends who was totally addicted to Fallout 3? And he, got a, he actually got a speaking part. In Fallout New Vegas, uh, the, the guy who's on Friends, what's his name? His name escapes me. Uh, Chandler. No, no, the Chandler guy. Oh, Matthew Perry? Yes, him. I mean, you know, it's crossing over, guys. Let's not get all worked up about this. <laughs> I want my... Me, Jason. I want my self-aggrandizing ceremonial show... I think you guys are just uh, seriously. We have crossed the barrier. We are fine. We are we are part of the cultural norm now. Yeah, I mean, look at Korea. There's two television stations that just televise video game competitions. Yeah, how retarded is that? That would not that would not actually work in America. That wouldn't no, work wouldn't. in America. Not yet. It wouldn't yet, yet, but I think it will in the future. Maybe someday it will. I think you're right. It will in the future eventually. But, you know, I, I mean, I think it, it, it is part of the culture now, but I think that the the obstacle to the original question, which was getting it, you know, taken with the same sort of artistic merit that, that people regard, uh, you know, movies and novels and stuff like that. I think one of the big obstacles there is platforms and compatibility and uh, obsolescence. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a movie comes out and everybody can see that same movie and, and judge it 30, and rate and it 40 years from now, they can view it as a classic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People are still watching Casablanca perhaps, but right? I mean, and it's pretty hard to go back and play. Even then, I mean, why does the game like, what, why does a website like Metacritic exist except to, it's to tell me what I like. I know, yeah, exactly. I, don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, well, it's that, and it's, you know, it, there's enough criticism out there. We're right up there, guys. I mean, I, oh, yeah, I, I, definitely would, getting there. I, I think we are right up there with, with video games and movies and music. It, the, the criticism and the, the, anal, the, the analysis, I mean, hell, like I said, we're doing it right now. That's why this podcast was made, was to analyze this very kind of thing. But how about, how about in terms of a medium that's capable of evoking, like, raw human emotion like movies and books make people feel some sort of emotion all the time it does that uh, so do video games do that too oh yeah if you're the, yeah if you're that invested in it then yes definitely yeah i mean i mean i've known people who cried when Eris died in final fantasy 7 so i mean it, we're definitely getting there it's just i feel like but they're all lame 
No. <laughs> In fact, anybody who plays that game has got to just be like... <laughs> okay. I can't be the only one that likes Final Fantasy VII. Oh, no, no. Jason. No, yeah. Jason's I just in, in slapping people down mode. So. Okay. I know. I, you know, I, I totally agree, though. Actually, I cried at the end of uh, Mass Effect 3. I, wow. Because, I was like, because it was so bad. I was like, I had no idea what happened. I, I, I thought everybody had died, and I was just like, you got to be kidding me. This is bullshit. I did. I got emotional at the end of it. I, I cried when Tassadar died in StarCraft, I admit it. <laughs> See, that's uh, good. Those are, those are testaments to it being a real artistic exactly. medium. It's great. The the company Telltale Games have have any has anyone played a game from those guys? Yeah, they made Graveyard the Dead. Path. Yeah, no, 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 it's uh, no, no. No, 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 no. It's that's that's Telltale Games. This oh, one's okay. this one's Telltale Games. It's confusing. Gotcha. Um, but uh, they they make games as art. A lot of the some of the games they have are are almost not even not even games, but more like visual storybooks that you as you explore. Uh, like Dear Esther, has anyone seen that one? That wasn't from them, but this is some of their I've games. Seen, I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen videos of that. Yeah, game. so really yeah, so Dear Dear yeah. Esther, you, you know, it barely has any physics really. You just walk around the game and you're narrated to as you explore different things. Well, tell like tell tell games. No, <laughs> nope, nope. There are not even puzzles. I'm just there are not even puzzles. With you, man. But uh, Telltale Games, they have The Path, which is a retelling of uh, Little Red Riding Hood. And the only objective you have in the game is to walk to a house, but you're, that's the only objective you're supposed to avoid. You're actually supposed to go and explore the woods, and as you explore the woods, you, know, you have a choice of either you know, going, to the, going to the house or finding the big bad wolf. And you actually have seven different characters. Each different girl has a different personification of you know, the big bad wolf. And that's just one of their games. They have a, they have a bunch of other crazy games that um, really, really push to make games art, you know? That's so. great. Well, there, I think there's plenty of examples of game as art, but, I mean, the the, the point is the, the recognition and then the timelessness of it besides our collective memories. If you didn't play the game, you can't experience you you can't well, that, that's say right. like I mean, but that's the same with movies. What's what's different about a movie? I mean, I I didn't. You can go see. see a, uh, you can see a movie from the sixties. I haven't you can seen see the movies health. from the thirties. Right. I mean, so I'm not going to have so. But somebody, you have the ability to do that, that movie. Well, it's, exactly. But somebody who somebody has the same option to play the same video game that I does. All they have to do is. You know, have the equipment to do it to you a know, certain but extent, I, but well, not, even so, even so, within, within but, but, you know, you want to make that comparison. Scott, yeah, within within limits, though. I mean, it it can't be all the way to the end. Well, that, that's fine. So say, what say do you mean I, it can't be all the way to the end? I haven't seen well, like a game a game from ten years ago. Does it does not age in the same way that a movie from ten years ago does? The content in the movie. Stays more relevant. Well, well, no, yeah, that websites that's, exist. Like, I don't know. Right, though, I mean, a, a silent black and, and white movie. Like that, that, that's that. Then you've got you've got the responsibility of the participant to be uh, have a historical context with that. If you're going to enjoy something, you know, it's not the responsibility of the medium to be timeless. Like, if you right. go back and read Tintin, 
as a as a graphic novel. That shit is racist as hell. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. god it it does not it does not age well, but it but as a person reading it, you have to be very aware of the historical context if you're ever gonna appreciate it. So yeah, if exactly. a game does not if the game does not age well, who the hell cares? Uh if you're if you're just have any kind of intelligence, you can at least appreciate it for hopefully a little bit of what it was, and maybe it will interest you to, you know, further on, see how, how what that idea that maybe is now cliched has developed into a whole genre. So it's kind of awesome. And I think with the advent of more digital distribution, uh, another thing I listen to on another random podcast is that, you know, we now have the chance, if you're thinking about, like, a PlayStation and everything like that, um, people are now allow, allowed to have PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games. They're, they're, you know, they're distributing some of the gems on there. So, you know, a lot of the time, just a few generations back, if you didn't have the console, you're never going to play the game. Um, so, you know, being able to have, like, digital copies of these things, it's, it's increasing that lifespan by a whole heck of a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting argument to say that, well, you know, you can't experience some of the, the history of gaming at, like, you know, you can if you were, like, a film buff or a, uh, you know, a TV show buff even, for, for instance. You know, because there is some kind of barrier involved there. But, you know, that being said, you know, it, you can, you know, you can at least give it a shot. You know, the thing well, is... Well, some of the experience games, in gaming is collective, not... And it is, and 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 to, you know, it's it's also part of your 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 own. You're you you either you you start playing video games when you start playing video games. For me, you know, it was you know probably hardcore. You know, I'd say it was back in like the late '80s on on a PC. You know, and it continued from there, and, and that's you know, where my history begins. You know, other people, their history might begin playing games on their tablet. And it may have evolved from there. You know, and, and that that's what their history is. And and how they, you know, if they get into, you know, more games, then they might, you know, choose to, you know, go back in time a little bit. I, you know, I know some people who go back and they say, well, that good old games website, they have like all sorts of crazy old games from back in the day. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, that's like a normal thing that you do. I, you know, I, I would hate to think that people would go back and actually play games like Might of Magic, which I absolutely love, but... You know, if, if they were actually to go back and play some of those games that are on that website, and you know, you can download those games for what, like four or five bucks now. I mean, you get yeah. a really rich experience. I think, you know, it would be different than what you, you know, if you. I think it would, it would, it's harder to go back in time for for a for a video game buff than it would be for like a movie buff. You know, for instance, I mean, it's not the same. You know, with me, music. Music is a little bit different. Music is something you're exposed to, exposed to by a radio station. You know, so the well, very yeah. you know, the I very mean, way that the medium is is delivered to you is different. Yeah, it's it's understood. It's 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 way easier watching a train wreck than it is participating in a train wreck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, if I were to subject, you know, I see actually I subject my son to classic rock every day whether he wants to be exposed to it or not. 
and he may not like the music. He may he may dig it, for all I know. But he hasn't really given me an opinion yet. <laughs> One of these days, he might be like, you know what, old man? The rock and roll sucks. And I'll have to go, okay, well, that's your You're opinion. wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly, but... You know, so you're right. I mean, it would not be the same for video games because it's not, you don't have that, there's not that delivery method to expose your, your, you know, a younger gamer. Yeah, but just, um, but, you know, keeping a historical context would still work for a video game uh, because you can apply that same patience that you have to the mechanics and everything, understanding that, oh, well, just they, they, they didn't have collision detection back then. <coughs> Oh, so I'm just going to clip through everything. Well, I guess that's how it worked. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Very well, interesting good stuff. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up at this point. There will be no awards ceremony in 2013 for the gaming industry that's actually relevant, but maybe someday. <laughs> that's my dream. Maybe All in 2017. Of, uh, John Romero and John Carmack standing there giving out an award for some kind of game that did something cool. It'd be awesome. But <laughs> I don't think we're going to see it for a while. I just, despite the mon- where the money is, there's still something that just keeps it from being recognized as the art form that it is. I I watch the Grammys and the Emmys and watch these celebrities drone on and on and, you know bask in the warm glow of their own demigodlessness or whatever the fuck it is. And I think, man, there's other mediums that really deserve this kind of attention. And it's not just gaming. There's all kinds of other stuff. But it's like, I mean, if you watch the the Emmys and the Grammys and you have any kind of sense of what's really relevant in these times, it's kind of funny. It's like, wow, let's just pat ourselves on the back and pretend we're actually important and relevant and I, I would like to see us pretend we're important and relevant in the gaming industry as well mm-hmm. so I think we're doing that right now we are but I mean on a larger scale people that actually can really pretend that they're important <laughs> and relevant <laughs> that have much more money to throw into the, <laughs> the way that they build their false pretense of uh, actual you know people who are themselves already more important and relevant right Right, or at least believe themselves to be because they have the, they have this money thing going for them. I don't know. But I'd like to see it. In any case, I think it's been an epic podcast as we could expect. I think, Noah, what's the tally? Are we up to uh, 3,000 hours so far? <laughs> <laughs> We're at about 2 hours and 25 minutes pre-editing. So after editing, we'll probably be at 2 hours and 30 minutes. Um <laughs> When we add in the commercials, and yes. all these stuff. <laughs> Avengers Assemble, we'll have to have that added in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, anyway, thanks everybody for joining us. Definitely, it could not have been the same without any of you. And I really appreciate everybody sticking with it tonight as we are into the yeah, wee hours. We know that it's really early for some of you out there. It's cutting into your Diablo three time. <laughs> Damn you! Jeff, it's cutting into your non-Diablo 3 time. (laughs) (laughs) Skyrim time, yes. Yeah, Skyrim time, definitely. Nothing wrong with that either, man. No, nothing at all wrong with that. I need to get back on that wagon. 
But um, yeah, it's been really fun for me. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, look forward to episode 201 next week, where Noah and I will uh, pretend that we're way over from episode 200. (laughs) As as though we recorded it the very next day. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, yeah, thanks everybody. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for subscribing to our show, listening to us. As always, if you want to share any feedback, send it in to mail. Shellmaster.com. Best